This episode of Watch Out for Fireballs is brought to you by Mike Susky specifically. Go check out his work at GameCritics.com and uh, by the rest of our patrons as well at Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Um, we just made a bunch of changes there recently. We're very excited about it. We're very heartened by the support. Um, we'd love it if you went and checked those out. That's at uh, Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. And thank you. <laughs> This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And this is Watch Out for Fireballs, a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Owlboy, which is a platformer developed and published by D-Pad Studio for the PC and modern systems in 2016. Yeah, and this is a uh, patron request. Yes, it is. Mike, yeah. thank this, you. This is for Mike. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Mike does our reviews from time to time over at GameCritics.com, mm-hmm. um, run by a friend of the show, Brad Galloway. Nice. And uh, yeah, check out his work. Please do. Yeah. And I'm grateful to have this request because this is something I've, I, you know, spoiler, I don't, I don't like this game very much, but it is something I've been meaning to play since it came out pretty much. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to play it as well. And I'm always happy to get kind of a high profile indie game onto WAF. I think those mm-hmm. are, I think those are fun to do. Yep. It is a, a soft goal of mine to do more like kind of middle class indie stuff. Yeah. You know? And as that line gets more and more blurred and like more people, you know, everyone has heard of this game mm-hmm. and also the production values of this are not explicitly indie, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we'll no, talk about. They're, like they're is, fucking masterful. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. It ends up being uh, a game that is very uh, centrifugal uh, to me. Yeah. Uh, as a thing. I don't know if that's actually a word, but I, I know what I mean. When <laughs> as, I say that. as in in a centrifuge, like uh, the yeah. like it, it separates. Yeah, it is. Sep- it is very separate. The stuff that is good from it is very separate from the stuff that is bad yeah. about it to me. Yeah. So, um, um, kind of, kind of, kind of the disclaimer at the top here. Uh, you know, when things are suge- uh, suggested or requested by patrons, we don't treat the we don't treat those games any differently. <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, uh, do not do not take anything we say against this game personally. If you really enjoyed it, there are elements that we enjoyed, but we need to also hit on the things that don't quite rise. Uh, yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't and, quite rise. And it's a mix mixed. It's, it's almost always like when we bag on something, it's almost always missed potential Yes, as a thing. It's not like, you know, a game that followed the intro of Indigo Prophecy would have been extremely cool. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's missed potential that that turned out to be a David Cage game. <laughs> in the end. Um, and that is the, uh, you know, that's ultimately what this comes from is like ways to, to want this to be better. Yeah. Um, that's going to come in next episodes too. Cause Final Fantasy 10, uh, to me feels very much like a game of its time. I am enjoying it, but like, before I revisited it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's like I love that Final Fantasy game. And now yeah. I'm like, 
this is definitely the last time I'm ever going to play this. Right. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is, uh, uh, you know, just so you know, it, like everyone knows, uh, you know, it is something we, you know, especially as we kind of, you know, relaunch the Patreon, like, um, you know, we love those requests. Like we mm-hmm. want people to suggest interesting and cool things for us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you are supporting is the network. It's not, you know, uh, purchasing an opinion. Right on things it's yeah. just that we're going to give our opinion on it exactly and it's and it's and not and it's not like we are like reacting to anything that has come down it's more just saying in general for everybody so you understand what the arrangement is you know if you decide to go in and buy one of these in yeah. the future exactly everything that we have uh coming down the the pike i'm actually really excited about yeah um so it is that is not uh that's not subtweeting anyone it's just to clarify since we um you know restructured it yeah yeah um, so yeah, so this is, uh, before we get into total kind of like generalities and opening arguments and stuff, we can talk about the history of this because I think that has a lot to do, um, with that. Like we'll do the basics and then talk about the history. Cause I think a lot of the problems that come from that history. Yes. Um, at the basic level in this game, you play as a character named Otis, um, you, a young owl person and you have a cape that allows you to fly. Yes. Um, and that makes this kind of a non-standard platformer. It's only toward the very end that you do not have the ability to fly. So yes. it almost falls a little bit into the child of light slash irritating stick style of avoid the edges a lot of, yes. a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and that's not something that's, you know, in the, in the realm of complaints, there are like complaints I feel very strongly about and complaints I feel kind of weak, weaker about. And that's mm-hmm. a weaker complaint to me. Like I don't really like. Yeah. Just being able to go everywhere and fly right from the beginning very much. Yes. It's one of those empowering things you can do in a game. <laughs> right. When you get, get that, and it's like unlocks a lot of stuff. And this, yeah. having that right from the stop mean, start means that, like, it impacts the level design in a way that I don't like. Yes. Uh, everything can only be gated by, like, a wall. Mm-hmm. And you run into ceilings real quick. Yes. Um, you spend a lot of time just in underground tunnels. And you functionally, it just means it's, like, there's no platforming. Yeah. Like you just kind of can move around. It becomes sometimes closer to something like a dual stick shooter mm-hmm. um, at times. And we'll, we'll talk about that with the mechanic. Um, but uh, the, the actual navigation or the agility required to avoid hazards, the irritating stick stuff, I don't feel like is particularly well handled. Yeah. And for me, like th- that isn't so much a problem that I have with what was there. Right. It's mm-hmm. more of an expectation kind of thing. I walked mm. into this thinking it was going to be a cave story esque kind of technical platformer kind of deal. Yes, um, yeah. I, I kind of thought there was a lot more of that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, it's fine. I, we 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 both no. said pretty much the same the same thing. So yeah, yeah, that 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 was a mismatch for me. What's there? <laughs> um, I pretty much echo what you said, Gary. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Like it, it it doesn't hurt that much, right? That you can do it, but it's not super exciting. Um, so what you use that flying power to do, uh, you know, Otis is tasked with trying to save the world from these robotic pirates that are laying uh, siege to it. The world itself is made up of these gigantic flying rocks and continents. Yes, uh, the, 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 there is no apparent surface to this world. Yep, uh, which co- kind of plays into the secondary plot that comes in a little bit later. Right. Uh, once the plot kind of reveals its cards. Um, as you mentioned, you fly around 2D. Um, the kind of primary mechanic of this game um, is picking things up. So as as an owl who's flying around, you can lift things up and move them around. Um, you use this in combat, which we'll talk about, but you also use things to kind of move them around and solve uh, puzzles as they were. Lots of uh, pressure plates. Yes, lots of picking um, uh, picking up your your friends or picking up objects and dropping them onto buttons elsewhere in yep. the in the area. 
lots of buttons. Lots of buttons. Um, yeah. You know, your control, like, like Otis himself is pretty limited in terms of combat, um, just because all he can really do is swipe his cape and then do like a dodge roll, which you mm -hmm. need to do to like get ahead of projectiles and things like that. You can also throw those enemies, uh, throw, throw, uh, items at enemies. You can't throw enemies yes. at items. This is not River City Ransom. Yeah. Or Mario 2, <laughs> you know, yeah. as a thing, even though I, you know, so the, uh, I guess this would probably be a good point to talk about some of the general kinesthetics of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this game feels good. It's pretty, uh, um, it's, it's, it's pretty, pat, like, I, I'm going to say like padded in a way, like I'm not, I'm not talking about that from like a pacing or filler kind of term. Everything kind of feels like it has a nerf around it a little bit. It, it's so it's very soft. Like nothing really feels like nothing you do feels like it has impact. And I get that from a perspective of making you feel like you're kind of lighter than air and flying. Mm hmm. But you never achieve speed right. in this. Like you have your dash, which you can do, has a really quick recovery. You can do as many times as you want. So you have a little bit of that ocarina of time, just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. moving through the world that way uh, thing, which is not inherently a problem. But whenever you're not doing that, you are moving through jello. Right. Like you move uh, just very, very slowly. And I felt like um, the the dodge that you do and the kind of swipe you do that ends up being a parry kind of reflect mm -hmm. yep. needed some like vlambeer esque kinesthetics to it. Yeah. I needed some, I needed some screen shake on that. Yep. Yeah. That would have done just gone a long way towards making it feel good because mm -hmm. it never feels good. And then when you get to the points where you can't fly and you jump, you have one of the floatier and weirder jumps mm -hmm. that I've like experienced in, in those sections are platforming sections. Right. Like right. in a platformer. Yeah. Like your hang time is so, so Mario um, and we always use that as a comparison for platformers. When you tap jump, you jump less than, you know, than if you hold jump. Mm -hmm. That's true here, but the the um, the, the decay on it, like mm -hmm. putting in music terms like attack and decay, yeah. the decay on it is so slow um, that when you hold down jump, instead of, it doesn't feel like you're jumping in a floaty arc. It feels like a giant is picking you up and very slowly putting you down in another spot. Yeah. Like... And it just doesn't feel very good. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, you also run into this when you have your companions. I'm not moving us down to the no, no, to late, but to it's later also thing. Worth, it's worth talking about. Yeah, it's worth talking about there because, you know, you are, you know, you have a button that'll like launch one of them into your hands, but sometimes you need to like fly around with them very delicately, um, yeah. either to put them on a spot or, you know, like deal with their offset from Owlboy um and their particular um kind of uh projectile patterns and things like that patterns i don't mm -hmm. know why i said that um yeah. and the the softness also gets in the way there where it feels a little bit uh, i don't know like you're playing with mittens i just i'm, yes. I'm throwing out as many meta, like um similes as i can <laughs> because i i can't quite put a finger on it well because you're describing game feel yeah which is like a hard thing to describe yeah. but i i think that like it basically comes down to the slowness of actions and the lack of impact when things hit yeah. other things and that, that 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 is also uh kind of a mismatch of expectations something that has an aesthetic that is pixel art like this and, you know i associate that with a you know with with, with a 16-bit style uh kind of action metaphor almost yeah. i expect it to be snappier i suppose and, th and those games that it's taking inspiration from are very snappy and the engine uh has the capacity it has a snap -pacity. Mm -hmm. Because enemies act that way. Mm -hmm. Like when you hit an enemy, they do have a little bit of that, like not screen shake, but like they shake. There's a satisfying kind of loud sound mm -hmm. when it happens. 
it just never applies to your character. Yeah. And I can't tell, like, if I was being uh, an extremely charitable read, is that's intentional characterization? Mm -hmm. Because we will get into, like, Otis as a character here in a minute, and I am not happy with it. But, like, he is supposed to be this fuck up. Yeah. Um, Like, this game is trying to say something about fuck ups. Yes. In general. Um, And maybe that's what they wanted to make him not seem Mm -hmm. powerful. But that's just not a very pleasant place to spend a game. Like, I like being disempowered, but not in terms of how it just feels. Yeah. The the, the other part of him being characterized as a fuck up is that everybody is wrong. (laughs) Like, he is not not as much of a fuck up as the other characters, specifically his elders, like, treat him as being. So What if jerks were jerks? (laughs) That's the story of Owlboy. Like, nobody has a point. And you can't just make everyone act under assumption where they're so blatantly wrong mm-hmm. and get any emotional heft out of heft out of that. Yeah. Heft, heft out yeah. of that. Like, you know, like it, it just doesn't, uh, it's very frustrating to me Yeah, that yeah. when I saw like what messaging they were going for here, like that was what they were going for. And I'm like, Nope. It actually just seems like everyone's an asshole and I'm a weird <laughs> sad sack. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I don't, uh, it doesn't, it just seems like there's, here's some poorly sketched characters. Yeah. You know, so. and, and that's, you know, but if, if that's the idea behind making him so like soft mm-hmm. to control, I don't think that was worth what they spent. Yeah. And, you know, this is especially a problem because in a 2D platformer that requires as much precision as this sometimes does, specifically mm-hmm. in the boss fights. And I like the boss fights are the thing that I come down most positive on in this. Me too. Um, Me too. And, well, I mean, other than like music and visuals, but yeah, like yeah. gameplay wise, the bosses I actually think are really good. Yeah. And we'll talk about why. Yeah. But like uh, moment, moment to moment feel that's incredibly important, important for a game like this where there should be joy in movement. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there are games on an abject suffering that we have raked over the coals specifically because of the way they have fucked up 2D movement. Yes. You know, I don't yep. I don't know that this reaches to those depths, but it's a no. you know, it's, it's a real thing for, for, for this genre. I think it would it would have in a game that ultimately like the problem with this, the, the fatal flaw of this is it doesn't take any aspect of it and fully uh, explore it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. You have to fully explore something. Yeah. You know, other other than aesthetics, which we'll talk about, and our um, you know again masterclass, like we'll get yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, you can't just not do anything. No, you know, and that's what it feels like. It's like the puzzles don't really do anything. The bosses require some rigor in a way that is interesting, um, but not super noteworthy. Like nothing blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I was never surprised by this game, like not yeah. once, um, and never felt like I was being pushed or that I was seeing something or playing something clever. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a clever use of this puzzle. Like, that's a clever use of this mechanic. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no, none of that. Um, it just doesn't happen in it. Yeah. And uh, and that lack of anything to kind of hang your hat on, like gameplay wise, is what ultimately was the problem. Because like the way it moves does suggest something. It suggested this like very idyllic, peaceful, floaty world, which they wanted to make. But that should have been like a button you could do to do that yeah. as a little bit of player expression. But when things got down to business, the very highly competent owl boy mm-hmm. um, should be highly competent. Yeah. Um, you know, and that would have been a way to still have a little bit of that feel that, that was very important to them, obviously, this feeling of cloud like <laughs> softness, um, but also not make it be a slog in your hands we should we should that, we should get out ahead of this just just in case somebody wants to fire back we know that owl boy is an otis yes yeah i mean 
he he could you can describe him as an owl boy. There's yes. like a little trivia thing that like somebody else is called an owl boy, but they're both owl boys. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that's not the other guy's name either. You know, it is the the only time the other guy is referred to as uh, the only the only time owl boy is used in the game is about the character that ends up being owl boy. I just wanted to get in front of that in case people well, probably weren't paying know, attention. It's like that character ends up being owl boy. I think owl boy is just kind of a general term, and that's they only use it to refer to him. But that's feels like. a incidental yeah like yeah. someone could call otis owl boy too it's it's it a just, it's a distinction that i that i have seen called out elsewhere and the last thing that i want is to be rigged yeah the i don't for that. The owl, owl boy uh, i don't want to chomp up a bunch of owl pellets from that you know <laughs> yeah. the owl boys but yeah i i when every time i read that i rolled my eyes because it's yeah. like oh the title's actually referring to like no that's like if you call a movie you know uh junior mm-hmm. or like not junior like a more generalized term like <laughs> you know bro, no, let's talk about junior <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the movie Junior. <laughs> I don't know enough about Junior to talk about. If you call a movie Bro, uh-huh. and then at one point, like, somebody goes, hey, bro. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's the bro. Yeah. It's like, no, bro is just a term that people use for things. Right. Like, that's not a revelation. Right. You know, they're they're both owl boys. Yeah. You know? Um, owl boys and envoys. <laughs> um, the, uh, the other big mechanic here, other than your highly unsatisfying movement, is that you can carry your friends around, which we talked about navigating the hitbox, mm-hmm. the kind of changes. Um, this is how you get any kind of real offensive punch. Right. Um, you're introduced to three companions throughout the game. Um, you pick them up and they each have different uh, guns that you can use in kind of a dual stick shooter fashion. Yes. They have uh, different properties. Yeah. And uh, they've got different properties and, you know, different enemies and different puzzles will call for different uses of them. Um, yes. And they are uh, different enough from each other where it feels right that there are only three of them. Like there are three different modes of interacting with the world almost. Um, Yeah, like I would say so, even though I th- do think that it is very weirdly lock and key. Yeah. Um, The fact that enemies like it's just like this enemy is this. So it requires this guy. Mm-hmm. Felt very tedious to me. Like it's not a it's not a puzzle. Yeah. Um, To to choose, you know, go through your guys and figure out which one is the right one to use on this. Mm hmm. Um, there's not a lot of intuition in that. Right, right. You know, um, so I ended up actually ultimately being like pretty disappointed in that. And the fact that the third guy you get has a projectile that is not that different from the first guys that you get. Right. Because it's better, mm-hmm. you know, and it affects different enemies. But just in terms of like its verb, it's not – it's just an upgrade. Oh, especially in terms of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I you mean, carry – This okay. yeah, plays into the theme too, which we'll talk about. Like this is also a game, a game about the power of friendship. Yes. Um, which we'll get to. Yeah, but Otis carries them. You can switch or you can switch between them uh, at any time, unless one of them happens to be away from you for story reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Uh, there is currency in this game. You do fly around and collect coins. You can find treasure chests uh, that you pull up and then open up. Uh, you use these like you don't <laughs> weirdly you don't buy anything with them. There's just a merchant who recognizes how many you have you have collected and then gives you stuff. And these are either cosmetic things like you get the hats of your uh, of, of your friends. I uh, know mm-hmm. that, that 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 is cute. Um, you also like for Owlboy, you or, see, I did it for Otis. You get, um, soup canteens, which I, I think it's just going to have to be okay. That's going to have to be I'm okay. I'm going to call him Owlboy yeah. too. And yeah. like, if somebody wants to add us about that, like, I think that the, if they're that invested in Owlboy lore, like yeah. buckle up. It's, it's, you know. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to have to be okay. I will no longer correct yeah. myself. Um, no, yeah. but you can raise your max health. And then at the upper levels, you get upgrades for your friend's weapons as well. Yes. Um, I, I know this is going to seem like I'm just crapping on everything i find this upgrade system extremely unsatisfying like what about a double dodge what about like a uh you know like things that would have made 
change your verb set more. There are six upgrades in the game. <laughs> you know, like there's almost nothing. Yeah. You know, so like making your way back to the shop when you get things like it should feel cool to get upgrades. Yeah. You know, and even the ones you get for your friend's weapons don't feel very good. Like it doesn't they're not cool upgrades. And that's no. like a such a that's a Metroidvania thing. That's a, mm-hmm. like a thing. That's a video game thing. That's something that like the games that this is inspired by do really well. Yeah. Um, you know, that like it is a noted inspiration of this, like Link to the Past and Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. Um, both of which games, when you get a new thing, feels amazing. Yeah. You know, I have the hook shot now. Holy oh, shit. Damn, that changes everything about the that world changes, that I've gone it through. It recontextualizes the, and then and here it's like, oh, here's a little bit more range for your like weakest gun. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> You know, cool. You know, here's a little bit yeah. more health a bunch of times. And you have to watch this dumbass sketch every time you pick up something. Yeah. Get thing from there. And we'll we'll talk about a little bit of that, like, in a little bit. But, like, the upgrade system, this is very disappointing. I, when I first started this and felt very limited by the movement and my verb set, I was like, oh, it's um, going to be a game where that's the arc. Yes. Like, I pick up a bunch of new stuff and the owl boy of of tomorrow is not the owl boy of today. I mm-hmm. will feel very cool. And like, I can do cool shit by the end of this. Right. And I did not. Um, and that sucks. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bummer, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, uh, the stages and like puzzling the kind of like areas you actually move through are pretty flat. Um, you know, the, these challenges aboard these pirate ships, uh, there's really just kind of like three or four dungeons mm-hmm. with some connecting areas. Um, and this commits a lot of like kind of game sins that are not super good. Um, like instant death stealth, uh, shows up or very close to instant death stealth shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of buttons and switch puzzles. You know, as I said, we're, you're going to put a lot of things on buttons. Yeah. You're going to do a um, lot of Zelda stuff. Um, yes. additionally, like I, I ran into problems with like edge spawning weirdly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, they're it's like weird when this game gets hard because <laughs> for, I would say, the first one third of it, it is so easy as to be like really, really unengaging. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets hard, it's like, Jesus, okay. Yeah. You know, like it, it's very uneven. The the levers specifically like later on in the back third, I think that it uses to make the game hard are almost entirely taking visibility away from you Yep. in a game where you have to know, you know, am I flying into, am I flying into spikes or not? Or are these yep. enemies that are just kind of plinking me down? Thankfully, the punishment for death isn't especially harsh. It's almost nothing. Yeah. Um, you get your health back and then you, you start a pretty, pretty generous checkpoint, which is good. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't want that to be, you know, but I would, I'd rather have both. I'd rather mm-hmm. have it be an interesting challenge and not very much of a penalty for death. Yeah. You know, not a cheap kind of boring challenge. And, but, but if you die, it's no big deal. Yeah. Like, crawling your way back up to zero yeah you know and that's what it what it feels like with some of those those changes like yeah the the um even as you said the back third even the middle has that like a whole dungeon that is based around not seeing yeah yeah stuff and it's like it's just not very interesting as mm-hmm. a as a challenge agreed you know yeah. um uh so. the boss fights get a little bit more interesting than that uh i call i, th- I think a lot more <laughs> yeah it's it's hard to set a degree, right? Like because I I don't know that I can separate relative goodness to like you know actual absolute goodness. So mm-hmm. like the like that that was the moment. Those were the moments moments when I was most engaged. But there's also not an awful lot that like this is the first time that I've seen anybody do this. Or again goes back to your I'm not really surprised kind of thing. They're beautiful and the boss fights play into character like character design and animation really well. Like you are seeing big things or a couple of small things interact in fun ways, you mm-hmm. know, that, <laughs> that, that show you mechanics, uh, and kind of put 
pressure on you in a way that the rest of the game does not most of the time. Um, yeah, they're good. I, I think that they're good. It's just uh, I have trouble, again, determining relative versus absolute. I think that it, yeah, me too. But it, it also just says something that that's like when I came alive in the game. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not tediously pushing through a thing. I am actually kind of challenged because I have to get through this. Yeah. You know, um, and oh, pocket. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Yeah. Just so everyone knows what kind of uh, little, little nightmare boy I got that just likes knocking things off. <laughs> to see what would happen. I looked in his eyes and he's literally just like, what's going to happen when this goes on? Oh, it's on the floor. I thought it was going to end up on the floor, but I was right. Uh, <laughs> what's, what, what's my human going to do? What, is, what, what am I going to, what's it going to sniff like now? I'm going to go sniff it now that it's down there. Oh, it smells the same meat. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking roast that boy. Um, the, 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, the boss fights I think are cool. Um, a lot of like kind of bullet hell, very video game ass video game patterns mm -hmm. that kind of come through things like, and I don't think the, the bullet hell kind of dual, not bullet hell, that's overstating, but yeah, you know, yeah. complicated bullet patterns that come out during these bosses are anything new, mm -hmm. but they're just interesting. Yeah. You know, um, the bosses have the appropriate number of attacks and kind of uh, changes and mix ups. Yeah. And it's satisfying to learn their patterns and beat them. This is where our boys dodge actually ends up being incredibly fun and necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 not it's not like a dodge like in a soul sense. It's a dodge in like a move fast for a moment. Yes. You know, it's like the way that you can sprint for a second. Mm -hmm. And it, it's actually pretty well done. I like the boss fights in this pretty uniformly, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was that was my favorite part of it. Yeah. Other than the aesthetics, uh, which we will get to right now. Yeah. Holy shit. This game is beautiful. <laughs> it's like real close to like best, like, you know. It's as good a pixel art as there is. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, I don't know, the, there are a couple of comparisons. Like when I was playing this, I was thinking about Momodora, but like yeah. that is more of a stylistic win. That's as a blocky. A, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's really blocky. It's, but you know, it's a stylistic win. This is both style and execution in a way that like I, I couldn't find a place that was phoned in. Yes. Um, it reminds me of, you know, and it, it's, it's better done than like, I love shovel Knight. Mm -hmm. I think shovel Knight's 10 times as good a game. Yeah. Um, this is, it's better. Like the pixel art is more attractive than that. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of iconoclasts. I never um, played that. I, I, I'm finding that mildly disappointing too. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like it is fun to play. It is. I like it better than this, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And I need games to do stuff. Um, yeah. it, and, but that is also extremely beautiful. Right. And this just because it is all skyscapes or mm -hmm. like when it is skyscapes, when you're not just in dungeon town. Yeah. Um, it just looks good. And the character animations are good. They're super expressive. Mm -hmm. It is it was going for a feel with the visuals. And it is other than the music, which we'll talk about as well in a second, is the thing that I think that they nailed as hard as something can be nailed. Yeah. Um, and there's not like really a generic character in this. Like nope. enemies repeat each other, but like and the enemies are not that interesting. Like, <laughs> right. The rocky orbs. You yeah. fight a lot of rocky orbs. A lot a lot of rocky orbs. Uh eventually you find some monkeys, and I think those are pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> but no, like townspeople or even like B tier or semi-important pirates, they all have their own kind of design to them, and they have a lot of character characterization to them. Um mm -hmm. just visually, even if you don't talk to them. Um just visually though. Like not yeah. just yeah. Just visually. 
just just to put that about as a thing because the the story in this thing or the the kind of like dialogue and stuff I have a big issue with. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, like just like go, go into this like if you're looking for a feast for the eyes, like you're you're gonna get that. Yep. And and the ears. Mm-hmm. So like, and this is such a this is gonna be one of those things where like the opposite of oftentimes when we talk about something that happens that's bad in a game, um, I will say like. We're not going to bring this up every time it happens, but just know that you're always dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this, this thing that slows down the pace happens. We're going to get over this in two lines, but just know that for the whole 10 minutes you're playing, this happens. Mm-hmm. This is like an this is like a positive example of that. Like, <laughs> right. We're only going to talk about the visuals really this this once or maybe a couple of times when it comes up. But just yeah. know, that, like, because I want to give this the credit that it's due, like, mm-hmm. at all times it is gorgeous. The entire time you're playing, you are looking at extremely attractive art. Yes. Um, it never goes away. There are no dips. Mm-hmm. I did not see anything that was dodgy the right. entire playthrough. Um, and it does fantastic things with scale, um, yes. in a way. So like the general fidelity is like, uh, I don't know, I would say like a pixel, a pixel art PS one game, I think, uh, sure. is, is like the resolution that we're, work, that we're working at. There are times where it zooms out on a gigantic thing that is yep. all sprite artwork. Um, and it kind of takes your breath away. It's really good looking. And yeah. the music is as good. Yes. The music is also evoking that 16-bit feeling. Um, it is not as earwormy mm-hmm. as, say, like those those games were because they were forced to be because we've talked a lot about the melody versus texture, like, you know, time time scale yeah, shift. Yeah. Um, but it is really tonally A+, plus. hit a target as hard as you can hit it. Yes. Like there is a, like a, like the very first time you're kind of let loose to go around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of adventure theme that they play is so good. Yeah. Um, extremely good. I can imagine myself listening to the soundtrack, you know, just to have kind of pleasant, you know, in pleasant moments. Yes. <laughs> that soundtrack is there for you. <laughs> for, for when you want things to be pleasant. Yeah. So like, this is such an artist's and such a musician's game that like, I hope that this was successful enough for the people who did that for the studio to let them settle into those roles and not be forced to design games around them. I it's when we talk about the history of this, anything this did is like, this was a success. This won a lot of uh, rewards or something. I read a thing online that was like, it sold something like 35,000 copies the first week. Okay. Which is not a bad, uh, you know, numbers for indie game Mm -hmm. and nine years. No. Like, what do you, what is your uh, nine year? I think (laughs) what's your break even. Yeah, on nine years of work. Yeah. The, I, th- I think that the, the back of the napkin thing was like it was like $700,000 or something. Jesus. Nine, nine years, though, actually. Yeah. That's, you know, for us, for a crew, mm-hmm. for a studio, that's not very much. No. Um, th- th- It's not like they just did this for nine years. Like, they've done other stuff I can see on their website. I've never heard anyone talk about any of it. Yeah. So I don't know what that's like, but it's just the, um, you know, if you make the Chinese democracy of video games, like, it has to do... I don't know what numbers it has to do to make nine years. Right. A thing. Right. You know, um, let's talk about that. So that development cycle, that nine year development cycle contributed mm-hmm. to both the strengths and weaknesses of this. Yes. Um, you know, the graphics, like those kind of graphics, just hand drawing every single thing to this game, to this level of beauty mm-hmm. takes a really long time. Absolutely. And that's the upswing of nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the downswing of nine years is you end up with something that might be narratively a mess and also doesn't really have its identity uh, in play necessarily because like of research. Identity too. Yeah. Like yeah. narrative identity, but also like 
the the pithy thing, and I'm not the first person to make this observation, but it's like bringing the the game design of 1994 to 2004 mm-hmm. in 2013. Yeah, you know, it it's like it started feeling outdated because if it came out when it started, it would feel pretty reasonable. Yes. But we just, you know, this is shoulder to shoulder with Shovel Knight. Yeah. And, you know, like this, you don't get to go up against Shovel Knight with this. I I have that toward the end here, but, you know, it's it's worth a pointed question. It's like, you know, and I'm going to ask this question. I know the answer. Is it enough for an indie game to just be pretty now? Yeah. No. No. (laughs) It's it's not. And And it – it never was yeah. like as a thing like that's the the um the big boom of like CD-ROM PC CD-ROM mm-hmm. games that was like such a bust thing yeah like the first one that came out did that you know we had the mist and the seventh guest and mm-hmm. everyone was like this is beautiful and this is what games should look like yeah and then a thousand clones came out and destroyed that market and now those games are jokes and they've aged like milk not milk and seventh guest not milk <laughs> not mist and uh <laughs> mist and milk is a very different game yeah <laughs> Bring me chocolate milk. Yeah. Um, bring me strawberry milk. Bring me red milk. The um, but those those games that are the clones or anything mm-hmm. like that are not thought of well. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's more you know a question like you know we see a lot of stuff where it is primarily lauded specifically for its uh you know for for its visuals. I think that this is a game that just it's, it missed its moment as a result of yeah. as a result of that long. Of that of that long development cycle, like this would have been a, revel- a revelation that you know, it would have been a, re- a revelation that established itself as a citation for other pretty games if it yep. came out in 2010. Yep. Um, and even then, like it's not just not of its time. Like even then, it would have been really mind blowingly pretty. Mm-hmm. But the play, like the gameplay, was always just going to be lacking in this. Yeah. Like yes, gameplay we've come to expect more, and as time goes on, and as people get kind of better at that stuff like we you know as as a as a hobby as a medium like mm-hmm. we learn things about game feel and people innovate yeah uh, they innovate and they do like new takes on puzzles and stuff yeah like fez came out <laughs> you know things like that which is not a game i even love but it's innovative right, right. you know it does something neat in addition to looking good mm-hmm. um this was always no matter how good it looked was always only going to have that regardless of what year it came out absolutely in. but it would have been held up against a, a different metric right yeah i think that i think that you know the, the the by now the genre has already been so established it's, it's lunch was eaten and that you know i i feel for the creators of this when i when i think about that well they they did great like the game won a bunch of awards yeah people yeah. really like it like we there is a backlash it's very interesting i was looking at it after i beat it and i was mm-hmm. like oh, i did not like that um one of the things i do is i look at reviews of stuff especially of things i didn't like mm-hmm. um because i want to see like people who liked it why did they like it right right um and it makes me think of something like in 2018, the kind of game of the year talk made me think a lot about um, like the, and this is not a new observation, but just the idea that reviewers have a very limited amount of time to spend on a game mm-hmm. generally. So like a game dead cells, which is a game I like ended up on a bunch of lists, but mm-hmm. it ended up like taking, winning tons of awards. Right. And dead cells has a really unsatisfying kind of bad end game to it. Yeah. Like it does this amazing first impression. And then as you play like past, like I played probably like 20 hours in dead cells. Um, by the end, I was like, I'm really done with this. Like, I don't no push to keep going. Like, it's not doing anything for that. It just gets you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game also has really, really high reviews, like a really high Metacritic score. Um, and that makes me think that it's like reviewers who had time to like, one, were probably just very happy to play a short game for mm-hmm. months. Uh, but two, just like saw that first impression. And if you look at the user scores, 
um, on like Metacritic, it's much lower. Yeah. And if you look at the GameFAQs message boards, it's a lot of people being like, this is actually really boring. Yeah. Like this is, does not feel fun to play. Um, and that may, just makes me think of critics being like generally uh, having only a little bit of time to look at something and just being bowled away by something pretty and bite size and mm -hmm. just that gaining so much goodwill you know yeah. uh, as opposed to people who have the time to kind of like sit down and like really dig into it being like actually the flaws of this if you yeah. really kind of dig into it they're 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 noteworthy yeah and we're and we're not just talking about that having an impact on the reviews those reviews and those kind of you know strong surface level impressions also feed into what gets rewards right yes. or awards yep um so it's, it's a lauded game like i think that uh you know we are outliers and not loving it mm -hmm. um and even just among even just like gamers too like regular people mm -hmm. game playing game playing americans gamer americans <laughs> um also just like it it's not just critics you know who like it mm -hmm. um but i've just definitely seen a lot more nuance to the conversation among people who typically take you know have more time yeah i guess yeah. to work on is is my point mm -hmm. um yeah, it's it's interesting. So yeah. it has that trouble development cycle, which I think meant that. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up the narrative being a mess as a result of that, because it is in desperate need of an editor mm -hmm. um, in terms of just uh, one in terms of pace. Yeah, um, there are a lot of points where you just go a screen or two before you get to another talking scene, you know, like characters talking to each other. Yeah, um, lots of filler lines and things that don't add to characterization. Um, like you can have a character who just does a lot of filler lines and that's how they talk, mm -hmm. but all the characters do a lot of filler lines in this. Yeah. Um, they, they'll restate things, mm -hmm. um, in a way that doesn't, uh, add anything to the conversation. Like every conversation you have with your abusive teacher, mm -hmm. um, is him saying the same thing four times in slightly different ways. There's like a, Will talks about like an improv game where like somebody says something and then you say, no, not that. And then you have to use a different word. Mm-hmm. And you just keep doing it to the person and try to, they have to come up with synonyms right. or different like alternatives until you can't. It's like that a little bit. Yeah. Like you're such a disappointment. And then you walk forward a step and look sad and goes, you know, you, you make me feel befuddled. And then you take a step forward and he says, oh, you are, uh, you know, make me sad inside. And just like says different ways of saying the same thing over and over. Yeah. You know, and a little bit more impact and a little bit like stronger dialogue and less of it would have made a big difference, I think. Yeah. So I wonder how much of that was just kind of a result of, you know, writing out a design doc and outlining the story that you wanted to hit and maybe writing a first draft and then going back and doing things over and over again to the point where like we kind of feel like we need to restate this stuff because we're not sure there is a connection between this and that. Yeah, to make sure. Yeah. You know, or, I mean, cynical, and this is cynical, but also maybe just padding because the actual yeah. gameplay content of this game, if you cut all of those little scenes, you know, and they do play into like a theme that the game is going for. Yes. You know, friendship is an important thing. Um, for, 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 for friendship is an important thing. And also you're not necessarily as bad as the worst people think you are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if, if you cut out, even if you want to maintain that theme and you cut out everything unnecessary mm -hmm. about that theme, this would be like, five-hour game right or a four-hour game heaven for fend <laughs> yeah yeah instead of an eight-hour game that i was mad about how often it was stopping me from playing it That's even though thing. i didn't enjoy the play it's the stopping you that really yeah. really bugs me it's oh. very interrupts you all the time yeah. and there are there are long stretches of like just very talky parts and i'm not you know i i have a reputation for being against talkiness and mm -hmm. it's not just that like 
you know, Torment's one of my favorite games. It's talky as hell. It just, those words are there for a reason. Yeah. I and mean, all and, these words are not there for a reason. Yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things. Uh, cinnamon is a fantastic spice that I think lifts up an awful lot of whatever it's added to, uh, too much of it and too much concentration and you throw up and inhale it and die. Yeah. You 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 add a little chili or a little uh, cinnamon to chili. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting. You add a bunch, you get a dessert chili. Yeah, you get and Cincinnati nobody chili. Fucking... Nobody wants that. It goes nobody to a garbage town. Chili. <laughs> yeah, it goes to a garbage town for garbage people. You pour down their garbage gullets. And now that you don't live there, I'm free to say it. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it just it's it's talky. Yeah, it talks too much, and and it it talks too much, and the things that it says are not interesting. And at the moments where it has big character beats, mm-hmm. uh, I don't care enough about these characters for this. Yeah. There's a devastation scene partway through this game about the end of the first act mm-hmm. um, that is meant to uh, touch my heart where you walk around and talk to people and it lasts forever. And I don't care yeah. about any of them or any of this. Yeah. Like you did not do a good job. It, it fires uh, it fires way too many blanks for me to care about the bullets that it yes. mixes in. Yep, it is it is uh, Russian roulette with a Gatling gun. <laughs> um, so the uh, the lead designer, um, a man named uh, Simon Staffness Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, took inspiration from Super Mario Brothers 3's Tanuki suit. Yes, and the flight mechanics from Kid Icarus, specifically um, reading about a 3D Kid Icarus that uh, was not did not come to be. It wasn't the three 3D Kid Icarus we got. Okay. Um, and when the Wii was announced uh, as a space for Wii Indies, if you remember those, <laughs> um, that one game with the wind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he started working on this. Yes. Um, and it was restarted uh, several times, uh, you know, just because you're, you know, over the course of that period of time, you're going to, you know, run across systems and things like that. And also Anderson dealt with depression and had difficulty with uh, kind of grappling with whether or not he would meet people's expectation for this because it was very heavily publicized. Yep. And that is sad. Yes. That that happened. I feel I don't want, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on that dude. No. You know, and I think that there might be a difference. The people with this game did touch their heart, maybe relate more to the, uh, to Otis. Yes. Than I do um, in this game. I have not had like, a headmaster who just like dressed me down mm-hmm. for my entire life for no reason. Right. Um, you know, and actually I live in a village where everyone does that and everyone I meet does it as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> except for three people. Uh, one person who I let talk for me mm-hmm. um, for my entire life in a weird kind of power dynamic. I just don't have that experience. <laughs> it doesn't feel very relatable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe if I was more abused, I would get this kind of sad sack thing i am not accustomed to feel it like i feel like i fuck up sometimes yeah but not uh like this just hits that throttle in a way that's too hard and i and i think me. that it might be important to raise this i mean a little bit like with hellblade sinuous sacrifice you know the yeah. if this does at all deal with a you know a mental disorder you know uh, mental disorders are not monoliths i know i deal with depression um and you've talked about that as well depression is not a monolith so i think that in the discussion about games that tackle that head-on i think that all of us would benefit from understanding that this depiction you know may not hit the nuance that matches your own personal uh kind of experience with it for, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm not also, saying that as a rebuttal to you. I'm just saying like no, in no, general, no. like if we're appreciating this as an exploration of that, it's only an expo- exploration of like one particular side of it. It feels like. For sure. And I even feel like if I try to look at it objectively and see how it's exploring that, I think that like 
if the message is one of the stated messages of this is that uh, you, you can fuck up, you get to fuck up. Mm-hmm. But when you do it, that's okay if you fuck up as long as you, um, you know, take pains to make it right. Mm-hmm. You know, you try to make it right. He never fucks up. <laughs> right. Like, what if he made real mistakes? Yeah. Um, like, don't you think that would be a like just even people who are real big fans of this, like genuine question. Like, don't you think that would serve the theme better right. as opposed to him being gaslighted by the entire world? Yes. You know, and I don't know what caused them to pull that punch. Mm hmm. Like, if they didn't think the main character would be likable if he uh, actually fucked things up yeah. at any point. It's um, it's also you know, established but, really heavy at the beginning and only gets lip service as a theme later on. Yeah. Yep, yep. Until until the end becomes kind of more of a... I mean, there's a little bit with the contrast between uh, the two owl boys. Yes. Uh, the two boys know, owl. The two boys owl. The Willem Sapphire. <laughs> um, there's a little bit of contrast there about different ways of dealing with challenges as well and that's where a little bit to your point about it having a confused theming Mm -hmm. like it has something to say about i think the main thing it wanted to say initially was probably that when you fuck up you need to keep trying Mm -hmm. it also decided to throw in and also mix in its gameplay stuff with a um you know friendship is an important theme which I could die with never having that be the point of another story. Same same thing with uh, the pursuit of strength as a motivation. Yes. Yep. I'm good. (laughs) Like I'm totally good. We've solved it. Yep. We've solved it folks. You don't need to make another game about friendship. We figured it out. You know, like have friends, like have, have believe. I love a believable friendship in a game, but the game can't, that can't be immoral. See, see, see see also our game of the year, a way out. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, um, a way out, which is a, a you know, about friendship. Yeah, um, and then and then it becomes this also uh, this thing about uh, how to respond to challenges mm-hmm. in general and trust. Yeah, and stuff because the the bad owl boy <laughs> didn't trust people. Yeah, and uh, decided to be a war criminal, and that's never really addressed. <laughs> no, like, causes like... a holocaust, and it's like wah, wah, you know, <laughs> destroys the most populous city. <laughs> Oops, all Oops. holocaust. Like. <laughs> The fuck? Y- yeah. Oops, all buried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, all buried. Oh no. <laughs> so I like like of those, the one that I think is most relevant is trust, right? Yeah, but it, it's also one that is not. It's not a patina over the whole game, right? Like it, there really are just signs of it being uh, confused as far as a message goes. And at the end of the day, even if it landed one of those messages, it would still be boring to play. So it, it only kind of matters. No. into it and we're going to move at a clip even though this game talks a lot uh just because these area like lots of button puzzles yeah so we start out with this tutorial uh which i thought was like i thought it was kind of neat kind of a neat Mm -hmm. way to handle it uh where otis is studying with this very abusive teacher uh and everything that the game is trying to teach you to do it has you doing it by failing to do it to asio's uh kind of standard of excellence i guess yeah Yep, and this is as heavy as this 
this theme kind of gets right um it'll be touched on but this is the the main kind of thing yeah um so he's teaching you your basic kind of verbs here Mm -hmm. um you fly but you don't fly good enough you do swipes but you don't do swipes good enough etc yeah um and as you fail the task um you and you're also sent to this village that kind of explains why you are terrible yes like nobody (laughs) likes you this is this is the beginning of the gaslighting the like the the um welcome to the doll house welcome to the owl house <laughs> that is, is um, yeah what if yeah yep and just the, the, to a kid. The, 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 these these dark owl spirits are harrowing you uh it should also be noted right now in case we didn't say it explicitly uh otis cannot speak otis is mute oh yeah we should we should mention that and this game has gotten some kudos from some people for having a disability in their protagonist mm-hmm. i i buy that it's also a little weird since like silent protagonist is also already a thing yeah text you know, but it also it weird. It's weird because I, I was having a struggling with how progressive that is. I guess because part of it is like, um, yes, he he's explicitly mute. What that leads to though is a lot of characters just speaking for him. Uh huh. Like it still wants to be a traditional video game narrative. Mm-hmm. So people talk about him being being mute and make fun of him for being mute. But yeah. what it really means is a dork says all the talks for you. Yes. And and that's supposed to be your best friend. Part of the you know part of the message is that the guy's a really good dude so like mm-hmm. i don't know what like what's that supposed to be about you know where where do you where does that land <laughs> right like, right yes yes people are sometimes mute and it sucks however they can sometimes have somebody who just does all their opinions for them and yeah right know. right and you know you just have otis make a couple of gestures and then getty says oh yeah uh timmy fell down a well let's go yeah yep. yeah and that's a that's a weird treatment too yeah um, yeah so you're so you're mute you can't talk back and that's, I, that answers the question of like why you're putting up with this kind of like you could just walk right but it's why you're not telling this dude off even though you want to yeah I, I, so here's the thing i never once read his muteness as a disability me i don't either. know if that's if that if that Other speaks poorly of it. me yeah yeah, um, I just because, because I, I read it. Video game per- Sorry, exactly because that's a trope. <laughs> yeah, because it's a trope. Like you know, Gordon Freeman isn't a mute, right? You know, but like he never talks either. Mm-hmm. So it just it just fits in very naturally to a video game in a way that like it doesn't feel like uh, an actual advantage. It, 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 it doesn't feel like a stance that the developer is taking in portrayal. That said, if you saw yourself in this and you are a mute individual, like cool, thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no problems with that. And there is like an attempt at. Um, an emotional payoff with that later. Yes. Um, so this is this ends up becoming on your way back this dream sequence. These dark owl spirits that show up is this kind of like mm-hmm. showing you know this. It's like those commercials where they show a little depression blob haunting somebody. Like that's yeah. what these are. <laughs> you are sad. Yes. Um, about your abusive teacher and your gaslighting village. Right. Uh, your gaslighting village that you are sent out to patrol as your first uh, your first kind of task. Uh, the, yeah. You know, these pirates have been spotted. Veli is, again, this village that is among these floating rocks. Pretty much everything is among floating rocks and continents. Uh, yeah. And the different areas and kind of neighborhoods, I guess, are named after, like, which part of the atmosphere they're in. Yes. Um, and as you're kind of going around and you are interested, there's coins in this game, essentially. Mm-hmm. There are rings you fly through, which I think is a clever way to do flying and have coins. Yeah. I, I got no issues with that. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, as you go up to this, uh, this overlook, um, there are some bullies uh, that bully you again because everyone is it's welcome to the Owl House. <laughs> and the uh, your friend Getty comes up, who is a nerd, mm-hmm. um, and he uh, stands up for you. This is your first kind of companion character and, uh, you know, assumably your best friend. I don't know if that's ever explained in the text, but like. It seems the only person who's nice to you in the village. Yes. He's like a defense engineer. Is what he, like he yes. maintains the guns that keep the larger ships at bay. 
Yes, um, larger pirate ships because we are in an owl versus pirates thing again, <laughs> showing the development of this. It comes from the ninjas versus uh, burgers or whatever universe. Yep. Where yeah. owls versus pirates was already a uh, thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Getty joins you. This is your first companion. You have to carry him, and he has a gun which will shoot kind of these short range but fast projectiles with this beam gun. Yes, uh, that are weak. Yeah. Like they don't do very much damage. They can't break through things. And you're immediately get, being shown the kind of, uh, m- you know, Metroidvania kind of um, here are some doors you can't get through. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that like you can come back later. I don't know if this game really even qualifies as like a Metroidvania. It doesn't feel like it hits a lot of those beats of like returning to areas with new keys and unlocking like secrets and stuff. Yeah. Or whole new areas. It doesn't feel right. It yeah, the- feels much closer to Zelda. Like, in terms of just here's some big dungeons that have gimmicks. Yeah, the the, the backtracking never felt natural enough to have yes. me want to press at the edges of it. It was always yeah. you were if you went back to a place, it had changed substantially, not because of the new abilities you had gotten, but for narrative reasons. Yes, and sometimes there might be a, a vine wall you can now break through, and there'll be some coins back there, but nothing, no. nothing too exciting. Right there. Um. So yeah. So Giddy comes uh, on watch with you, as you mentioned. Um, down as you go towards the bottom of the town, um, you find those bullies. The bullies are back, mm-hmm. and they're picking on a student named Solus. Uh, mm-hmm. Solus is very timid, or timid, and he's a little white owl, and he's cute. Yes, little little bar now fella, little George Costanza looking guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, he's here, like he's he's uh, come along with a bunch of other owl scholars. Kind of the setup for this, like not everybody in this world is an owl. Like the remaining owls are kind of the descendants of these basically elves. I think in mm-hmm. this in, in this world, they once were master uh, masters of technology and left behind all these relics and ruins of their previous works. And yep. modern day owls are kind of trying to keep that light alive. Is the way it's being sold. Yep. Um, you also see uh, this little like troublemaker. Uh, you so know, it's uh, like a spider kind of guy. Yeah, you know, the kind of the spider. He's got a real big like goofy grin on his face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the whole way this intro is actually handled, I think, is not very good as far as introducing characters and concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this guy is meant to be, I thought, it feels like they're positioning this guy as an annoyance and a rival. Yeah. Um, and they kind of are, but he doesn't harry you throughout the whole thing and then have a resolution or a big fight at the end. He just ends up joining you later. And he's being, a, he's smashing things. Yeah. Um, he's being really destructive and everything. And then when you get to him eventually at the end, and we'll talk about this, but I flipped off my, my switch. Cause he's just like, I just wanted a friend. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man. Like you have to do better than this. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well then in that case, like join up, Yeah. you know, and like one character Getty, you know, protest that, uh-huh. but like, that's not the character I was introduced to. Like, no. that's not the posture of him. That's not the pace of him. That's not when he's shown up. That's not how it's actually worked up until this point. But now, okay. Mm. Now he has this cute, cute family full of stick, stick bugs and stuff. Like, give me a break. When he first shows up, it made a lot of sense to him to be this kind of like uh, Ultros figure yeah. a little bit. And that's what I was expecting. Yeah. And and, and to go from Ultros to Pathos is a very tough part. <laughs> yeah. That's not a – no Greek myth did that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we end up chasing him into these valley tunnels, uh, which is kind of our first introduction to light combat and light puzzle solving, uh, specifically mm-hmm. in dropping Getty onto buttons to open doors forward. Uh, this is really the only time that you have to manage with like the 
permanence, uh, like object permanence for your, for your dudes. Like it's yeah. the only time you ever have to go back and get them because at the end yep. of this level, you get a button that just warps them to you. Yeah. Which is, I'm not saying I would want, I think you could build a puzzle game around not being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but this doesn't do that. And because of the game it is, I'd rather have it be convenient. Yes. Like cut down Same. on that friction, but it is another example of it working its way back up to zero mm -hmm. rather than excelling at something. Yeah. You know, I was expecting once I saw the three companion slots, like when you first get Getty, it opens up your menu mm -hmm. and it shows three little buttons that have like faces on them or whatever. So, you know, you get three different companions and I was really hoping they would have wider abilities. And mm -hmm. I was thinking Lost Vikings. Oh, yeah. I was like, and especially during this part, which is not great shakes, but it's the tutorial. So I'm like, OK, this can be easy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if these guys have different properties and I need to manage them, uh -huh. and move them around and stuff? And I am almost playing as a sentient cursor. Yeah you know, to manage these, these things. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the game that it is. No, no. So, and they immediately ditch on it by giving this teleport at the end, which we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to kind of move him around and move weights around. Um, you know, you set him on, on a button that opens the door, you go grab a weight so you can put the weight on the button and then you can carry him through real simple stuff. Yeah. Um, you eventually reach the shrine and there's a boss with this turtle with a large kind of stone owl mask. Mm -hmm. um and this is this is this is a good boss fight like yeah. i remember texting you and being like i'm digging owl boy and it was because of this <laughs> right because like, this fight because it's before the teleport mm -hmm. and it has a little bit of that juggling feeling to yeah, it yeah yeah um you knock the mask off from from him with the the bullet and then you can also pick it up mm -hmm. um at this point um and once you knock it off um or you know you, you pull it off and then you have to go pick up getty yeah and yeah, you like, drop you, it somewhere you, yeah, yeah. You, you, you pull you pull it off drop it in a place where he has to walk to get it, pick up Getty and then shoot him while he's exposed running toward his mask for protection. Yep. And then uh, the second phase he flies, I'm like, this is a good boss fight. Like yeah. <laughs> it is getting used to these controls and kind of managing the mechanics of dropping and picking things up mid combat mm -hmm. is kind of cool. Yeah. Later boss fights are still cool, but they don't do this. Right. Right. And, and, and again, that's like a weird problem with expectation. I went in not really knowing what kind of game this was going to be. And it mm -hmm. kind of ran me through like three different games that it could be before it settles into a groove that is not any of those. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> very, very same. Yeah. Um, after you beat him, you get to the end of the tunnels, you get this relic. And uh, before you can, you know, so we, before you can take that back to the the professor, that troublemaker character shows up and webs you up. Right. Uh, who's a spider. W weird. This is a minor thing. He never read as a spider to me. Right. He only read as a spider to me because he webbed me up. Right. <laughs> Anyone who webs me up, I'm assuming is a spider. Yeah. Or a spider man or woman. Yeah. 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 And this is a spider bug. Yes. Or, or, or a spider so, venom. Arachnid bug. <laughs> arachnid the, uh, bug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um use use uh use otis and his grabbing powers to you know get get us out and then getty chisels off a small piece of the relic causing it to explode leaving just this medallion and the button which causes mm -hmm. like this really snappy teleport that has a really satisfying sound effect to it actually it does actually yeah. that's good it's real good and it allows you to instantly fly yes that's like the secondary knock-on effect of it because otherwise you fly by jumping your weird jump and then hit, hit, hitting jump again. Mm -hmm. But if you just click this one button, you'll get the snappy instantly into flight mode. Yes. Um, which is smart. Mm -hmm. um, so this is your ability. Now you can teleport your companion to you. Right. Which, um, and uh, on your way out, there's a couple puzzles with this, I believe, mm -hmm. which is essentially just uh, a easier version of the puzzles you've already done. Like you leave your guy in a button, opens the door, then you teleport him to you. Yeah. Just to just kind of teaching you that you no longer have to always be carrying them where you want them to go. Um, you head outside and now it is dark time. Yes. Uh, and dark time means pirate ships. So oh. uh, they have attacked. 
oh yeah, they got the artifact that they needed. <laughs> um, and, uh, so they are swarming the, the, the village, a to clean, because they clean everything up and you have to get to the top by avoiding these searchlights, uh, mm-hmm. to get to the lab and press the button to activate the defenses. Yep. Pretty easy to avoid them. It's not, this is not a difficult stealth section. No. And it looks cool. Like the mm-hmm. night and the searchlights actually look really great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does something that I like, which turns the foreground into like a shadow almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool looking. Um, so they, they got it. They got the artifact from the tunnels. They're heading towards Advent, which is the, uh, the main owl city or the main city in this world, rather. Yeah. It's like the, ca- the, the, the capital temple. Yeah. It's not a uh, 10,000 fire flying. <laughs> um, but they will need to go by the owl temple. Mm-hmm. And the plan is you, your, your boss, you, you know, your teacher comes and goes, you fucking clod. If you go and deactivate the owl, hey, you are biggest idiot. Why don't we send you on this mission critical thing? Yeah. Piece of shit. Uh, you're just going to fuck it up. We'll all die if you do, but I know you're gonna. Yeah. Um, so the, the owl temple, which is the thing that blows the island apart. Um, so if you go there and turn that off, uh, the rocks can crush the pirate ships on their way to the capital. Right. They'll, they'll kind of reconvene. So mm-hmm. they send what they think is their biggest fuck up, their idiot, out to do it. Yes. <laughs> hey, dipshit, we're relying on you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. dipshit, save our lives, you piece of garbage. <laughs> Why don't you help me out, you colossal clod? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a lot of sympathy for Otis. Like, the, uh, hearing it spoken I, out loud, it's a lot different hearing it than than just seeing the, it. The, the, I know, I'm also being meaner. Like, I'm saying swears yeah. and stuff. There are very few swears in this game. It'd be, yeah. man, if that actually happened, if, like, the game was, you know, all gentle and had this presentation and title screen and stuff, <laughs> and then when you first walk out the tutorial, it's like, you fucker. Like, I would have laughed out loud. It's a, uh, um, watched, a, watched a movie, uh, like, The Quiet Hours or something like that, with, like, it was produced by Aubrey Plaza. Like Nick Offerman, it was just kind of a period piece comedy kind of thing about like nuns in Italy or something like that. Not not really good, but the funniest part was everything is very proper. But when the serving guy comes up, you have Allison Brie and Aubrey Plaza and uh, Kate Micucci just screaming, "Who the fuck do you think you are talking to me like that? What like what, what kind of pieces <laughs> are you just like all screaming at them over each other?" And then it that's immediately fun. goes back. That, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't feel bad for Owlboy. No. I can't feel bad for Owlboy, but people I, are mean to I feel, I feel bad for Owlboy when you're mean to him specifically. <laughs> it's okay. I, and I aim to be cruel. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so anyway, so that's the idea. He's, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but like there actually is a serious problem here, right? Like we're, we're making a joke about a thing that is dumb that he just says like, Hey, let's send our worst person yeah. to go do this mission critical thing and yell at them and treat them like garbage in asking them to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that doesn't make any sense. Like, no, this guy as a character doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, he is not a believable fiction mm-hmm. uh, at all. Anywho, you leave the village um, and you get this little cutscene of this shadow monster putting the artifact that it presumably just stole into a glass jar. There are three glass jars. We know there are three MacGuffins and we are down one of them. Yeah. And we are on our way to the Owl Temple to, uh, yep. to turn them fans off. Um, you're heading into, uh, as you're heading towards this area called Tropos there, um, you get this sign that points you towards the Buccanary shop. Um, and this is where you can exchange those coins for trinkets. Um, as you say, you get this little sketch. He has these little servants. Yeah. And the the sketch comedy here is like, go get the trinket. And the guy comes out and he's like, you forgot the trinket. I forgot the trinket. Like it's (laughs) it's like weird vaudeville, uh, (laughs) Laurel and Hardy stuff. And I don't, you know, yeah. I um, do not get it. And and uh, it is done at the pace of animation plays 
and then textbook text box comes up says dot 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 you forgot the trinket and then animation plays wait did i animation plays door opens comes back yeah it is not like this is that you can do comedy in text boxes there's something about the presentation here that sucks all of the air out of these yep it is not funny there's there's literally one moment that i smiled at in this whole game yeah like there's a smile out loud moment and i'll call it out but like it took a long time to get yeah. there and it's even it's it's using the advantages of that like it shows some knowledge of how to do this kind of stuff but this is just them doing like a little shtick and mm-hmm. i'm like you know that i'm the fuck up that's sent to go save the world right like <laughs> you know let's, yeah let's pick up the pace a little bit here yeah and these and the, at least these little guys you know so she's got these little goblins who work for her and the entire joke is that she abuses them like yes. like there are a couple of like si- in this town. <laughs> they're, they're like they're they're side quests where you go and they're like oh I was trying to escape but now that you're here I was trying to escape I got myself in trouble can you rescue me and I'll just go back yeah but I guess I'll go back to the sleep <laughs> you know it, yeah you are a weird cop I'll <laughs> <this owl> cop <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really put that together but you are rounding up escaped servants the the long arm of the claw. Thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's weird. Um, so you get to the entrance of the Owl Temple. Um, you find again that this is where you find one of his little goblins mm-hmm. running away. He's scared. Um, he says to find find the other escaped slaves, uh, and he teaches you how to roll, which mm-hmm. is like you've already been able to do this, and really we don't need that now, right? Um, you know, give us the tutorial in the tutorial. Like, mm-hmm. um, but this is how they do that. Yes. Uh, so you get to the door of this inner temple and this hooded purpose. Or the hooded figure, rather. Not hooded porpoise. That's a different game. Hooded, hooded purpose sounds like a mm. Venture Brothers enemy. <laughs> no, this hooded figure uh, kind of announces the purpose of the Owl Temple. Uh, it was a place where they worked to find the secrets of the universe. We're going to see this hooded figure uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so the main thing we are dealing with here are these spiky kind of flying enemies that move in patterns. Right. Um, they introduce, uh, things you cannot destroy here kind of right away. Mm-hmm. Um, the trick to these is that you have to, um, parry them first. Yep. I think this is where they introduce these guys. Yeah. No, like, like, like these, these guys are mostly like the, like the flying spiky enemies that move in patterns. They're mostly environmental hazards. I never tried to take them out. You can, I think mm. you have to parry them and then it opens up their shell. Okay. Yeah. Um, would have been a good time for a tutorial on parry. Ooh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but it doesn't do it like it, it's we just had a tutorial on roll, which I've been doing to not move at a snail's pace this entire game. Yeah. But it doesn't teach us about that. Right. You know, which is weird. Um, The uh, it also introduces these kind of bomb enemies that you can pick up and throw at walls. Right. So this is also man, this is the guys who my favorite enemy in the game are the guys that do the uh, agonim like batting something back and forth at you guys. Mm-hmm. This is where they show up, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I like those guys a lot. They throw something at you and you can parry it back and then they parry it back at you with increased pace mm-hmm. until eventually they they can't keep pace and it blows them up. And those yeah. are always fun. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> like and sometimes I just want to play catch with somebody. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. That's pretty nice for all boy. Like grew up all abused and like finally <laughs> someone's playing catch with them. Yep. Uh, although, the, blow up. although like nothing is perfect. The person playing with catch with him uh, wants to kill him too. I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the main puzzle element here is that you have to grab these rain clouds, which you can squeeze uh, to make them rain. And you're trying to like fill up these cisterns to raise statues um, and yep. press buttons and things like that. And they introduce a, uh, I mean, they'll get, they'll get to this a little bit later. They introduce these little suction holes mm-hmm. that deal with these. I'm just going to talk about this whole mechanic yeah, as, as it exists rather than go point by point. And it is painfully basic. Mm-hmm. Like the puzzles here are like, you have a rain cloud. Here's a suction hole. 
in another area, there's a little thing that can plug up the suction hole. Right. It's just order of operations. Like mm-hmm. there is, there are no intuitive leaps to be found. Right. In any of the puzzles in this temple. Right. Um, it is, and it is like kind of a game for kids, I think, or, if, but then it's not because it ends up being very challenging later. Like mm-hmm. we are past the tutorial. You should demand a little bit more rigor, mm-hmm. uh, for me. And you should push your mechanics a little bit harder to come up with clever puzzles. Yeah. And they just don't like there. These are not puzzles. It's just, you know, if you can't push the rain cloud past the plug, keep going until you find something to plug up the plug. And the twist, yeah. the, the the twist cannot be there are three holes to plug and only two manhole covers to plug them with. Yep. Because I know I can take them out. Yeah. Weirdly enough, this reminds me a lot of the garbage puzzle temples in Final Fantasy X. Uh, I was going to lay into those. Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like very similar principles, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of times the puzzle in those temples are, hey, actually, once you put a key in a hole, you can take the key back out. Yeah. And that's that's the entirety of the intuitive leap. Like mm-hmm. windows are intuitive. Um, so it just, there's no, there's just no, nothing being demanded of you in this. Right. You know, and I, I don't need everything to be very challenging. Like not everything has to be Dark Souls, but like mm-hmm. a puzzle, I want to feel smart for solving it. And yeah. I just didn't. Yeah. Never, ne- never had like a eureka moment. Like the closest that I got to like a sense of triumph outside of the bosses was one kind of mega puzzle at the end that was more about candy navigation than it was about solving anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's stronger than this. This just feels like this is tutorial content well after. It's one third of the, the dungeons, really, in the game. Yeah. Is also tutorial level mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, this this area also introduces darkness to you, specifically with, mm-hmm. like, tunnels where you have these burrowing exploders that pop out. Um, and eventually you have to fight several of them as kind of a, an airsats mini boss. Yeah, um, there are little arena rooms that pop up. Yeah. Every time. Uh, and the thing is, like, you cape whip them, um, and that uh, exposes a, a target on their belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can you can shoot them with your with your Otis. Yeah, uh, you know? ca- carrying those clouds gets a little bit uh, complicated by the fact that there are waterfalls, uh, so they mm-hmm. dissolve the clouds if you run into them, and also you cannot fly while you're under a waterfall. So this is a way that they kind of mandate that you use the weird floating the weird floaty platforming. Yes. Yep. And it is just going to be a thing where you're. Like at least, and maybe not you, maybe not everyone, but for me, I really felt like I just couldn't jump far enough until I realized you have to really hold the button down yeah. to get that float. This is the first time you really have to do it. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So we, we talked about the suction holes. We talked about that. There are these fire lizards that pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, these uh, shoot fire at you. They can only, once you're on fire, you have to shake to set out the fire or go to water. Uh-huh. Um, and they can only be hit from behind. It's just their butts. That are thing. There's actually a little clever touch here, but again, in the game, never making making use of all of its features. Like mm-hmm. you can, if you use water on these guys, they turn to stone, and and then you can pick them up and throw them at other guys, mm-hmm. um, or they just turn to stone and fall and die. And that's really cool. And that should have been the only way to deal with them, <laughs> right? Uh, you should. I can just kill. I can just kill them. It feels like it, it feels like an Easter egg. Um, <laughs> like yeah. that. There's so few water buckets that you get to throw is the thing, and you encounter these guys well after there are water buckets available to you. Yep. Yeah. Or or like if you had clouds or something, like mixing these up, like that's very uh pretty basic like game design thing. Mm-hmm. Like here's a new enemy, introduce. Mm-hmm you know, iterate and then do a mix up. Right. And that's like, you know, the, that's the formula and it just doesn't do it. They're just introduced. Right. And there's never any iteration. There's nothing with these guys. These guys never contribute to a puzzle and they could like, they become blocks. 
like what it, the, we're, we're talking like adventure of Lolo level shit here, man. Like, like you would just have to turn these into something you needed to solve a puzzle. Right. And it's like, Oh, I can't just fight them. I have to turn them into stone because I need to do something with them. Yeah. Bada being like, and I'm not a game designer. Like it, it just feels like asking you to do a little bit more would have been obvious and easy. Yeah. Instead, the thing that the biggest impact these make on play is that they will light you on fire and create a chore for you. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you can get rid of that very easily. Again, crawling your way back up to zero. Right. Like never getting above that baseline. Mm -hmm. um, you enter the section of the temple and you start seeing this creeping corruption, which I always like. Like mm -hmm. these weird kind of sickly looking purple vines. Um, and uh, this is where you get the the buckets and you need to put the some of the water. If you don't use it to kill the fire lizards, you don't have to put it into this pitcher plant, which opens this pathway. That's why you and have a, a, a vendetta against this game is pitcher plants. It does have one pitcher plant <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that is, uh, functions as a key in a, in a weird way. Um, yeah. And then you end up with your uh, mandatory instant death stealth section. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, Yo, okay, yes. Like, yeah, nine years ago. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's that's when this came out. Yeah. You so know? there are gnomes here. Their sight is very poor, but they will hear you immediately if you try to fly. Yes. Uh, and if they, they if they notice you, then they immediately run at you and then, I guess, devour you. And they can fly, apparently. Yeah. You know, or jump or something, because, you know, astute listeners will be like, well, if I can fly and they're a gnome, it doesn't matter if they can hear me. They're hmm. a gnome. You know, they're on the ground and I'm flying. But no, the way this stealth section works is that, like, if you get heard, um, they will rush you. And it, and they, they tell you that it's like, hey, the gnomes are serious business. Um just well, that's the only time that's ever been the case. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep. And this is not; these are not used later. No, like this game actually never cross pollinates enemies. Mm -hmm. Like I hated this enemy as a design, but if you, I mean, in terms of play, not visually, mm -hmm. if you wanted to mix these up with another enemy, that might have been kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, and they just decided not to do it. No, no, um, the all, all of the other stealth things uh, follow a, kind of a, a different. A different pattern yeah yep and yeah and enemies just don't mix so you said to get through this took me a couple of tries and i was very annoyed yeah. um at doing it um partly because i still wasn't really good at the super float jump mm -hmm. you know and uh, that's necessary here because you can't fly you can fly for a little bit and i thought i had to manage how long i could fly yeah um and i just you know then you get through it and you never see it again right so goodbye gnome so bummer especially when the first stealth in your game is instant death later yep. on you get a little bit more leeway um but yeah here it's well, that's also they take away healing items at that point, though. Like yeah. your leeway then becomes about being worn down slowly instead of instant death, but like with no way of getting around it. Yeah, we true. we have to talk. Like I know the pace of this episode is not going as fast as I want it to, but like uh -huh. healing in this game, mm -hmm. like making it a thing where you have to grab a fruit, press up to fly out of it, and then devour it uh -huh. is really obnoxious. That should have been one button. A little bit too much friction, yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. But anyway, so that you heal by finding fruit. Mm -hmm. You find, and some fruits can allow you to go over your max and get like temporary hit points. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So big puzzle here toward the end, you have to shut off this waterfall. Uh, and to do that, you need to, uh, do this neat puzzle. I thought it was neat, uh, with this bomb dispenser placed over some spikes. Turns out that the, uh, the, that the cloud will catch a bomb. You just have to spawn mm -hmm. it at the right time to make it happen. Like this, yeah. this was actually kind of the clever puzzle that took me not a long time, but it was enough intuitive thinking that I felt, you know, thumbs up about it. I think that the, the cloud will move over there. You can also just move it over there. Yeah. Just to catch it too. So it's not like there's not so much the timing aspect. Like I think it just, 
you put it there. It's not bad. Like mm-hmm. by owl boy standards, good. Yeah, I just like for for me the leap was recognizing that the cloud would support the weight of a bomb. Yeah, which is like it's such a weird leap too. Yeah, so, like yes, that, that's the leap of something that's patently false. Um, yeah. Also, you feel uh, like most clouds do not rain, like do, do not create rain when you squeeze them. Yeah, I guess that's true. They are cartoon clouds in all yeah. respects. Yeah. Um, you get to the, your next boss. You you find two sky pirates. They're arguing because their ship is broken down. Yeah. There's a big guy. Um, his name is Alphonse, and there's a little guy uh, who's a psychopath. whose name is Dirk. Yeah, Dirk the psychopath. And uh, they see you and they're like, um, we're going to have to take your cape. That's how we're going to get out of here. And it becomes a boss fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this is an okay boss. I find this a little bit lesser than some of the later ones, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, the big guy gets uh, summons in a weird little monster to carry him around mm-hmm. and fires a spread shot. Um, once you've hurt him enough, he hides inside the ship and his buddy operates a turret and you need to trick him into shooting a spot on the ceiling, which will drop a rock on the ship. Yeah. And as the fight goes then, on, the patterns get a little bit more intricate and a lot faster. Yep. And that that's really it. Yeah. Um, after you do so, they say they're busted. The two pirates kind of argue about it. And then Troublemaker drops in. We find out his name. Uh, his name is Twig. He's been in league with them. Um, and uh, he's like, you know, we're going to essentially the the they get into a fight and it's a weirdly emotionally charged fight. Yeah. It's like they're a between couple. Dirk and Alphonse. It is very couple like, and yeah. I'm very surprised. I didn't find online like people shipping or, you know, just saying like, Oh, the subtext is clear. Like they're lovers. Like, oh, it just very, seems de rigueur. Yeah. Yeah. I expected that a lot of people were just like, no, they, actually their fight was because they're very good friends. But yeah. like Dirk's a psychopath. It's weird. Um, cause Alphonse isn't, he's going to, he's a good guy. Uh-huh. Um, so he, uh, he gets left behind and he joins you. Right. Um, and something that I didn't realize until it was called out in uh, dialogue later on, the pirates are robots. The, Alphonse looks a lot like a robot. Okay. To me. Like, I, I he, thought that he was just wearing a lot of armor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would, that is a safe assumption. Yes. But they're, they're bots. They are created by the owls eventually, or at least the main one is. Yeah. Yeah. It's found out later. Um, so his whole thing is he has a shotgun that's very short range, but very powerful. Um, it has a really long cooldown, which I think is really annoying. Yeah, like, I didn't understand that decision. Guys, all the time, like yeah, and they immediately introduce that they're like, they're they're saying like, you know, here's a here's some guys you can only kill with Alphonse's shotgun, mm-hmm. but we're gonna mix them in with guys you have to use Getty's pellet gun, right? Um, so you're just swapping between them a lot. And it just doesn't qualify like as play to me. It, it, feel, it feels uh, feels a little bit like uh, uh, interface tax a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, it, and also and this is my fault, but it took me a while to learn how to hot swap hmm. the guys. Like I was just going into the menu every time. You were playing on Switch, and I had a copy yeah. of this from the from the humble humble monthly. I think is where I mm-hmm. got this from. Uh, so yeah. I was playing it on the PC. So that might be different as well. Yeah, that, that could be the the case. Yeah. So, but I, I just I thought I always had to go into the menu, and I was losing my mind. Oh, jeez. Um, and then I and then I figured out that you can get through it. You can hot swap them, but it still just ends up being attacks. Right. Like, you know, I can do it quickly, crawl back up to zero, but it's not fun to switch between the two different modes. No, it's not. I'm sure there's a reason they didn't do this, but the idea that um, Alphonse's uh, blunderbuss or whatever it is, that you have to have it fully charged to fire. Like I would almost mm-hmm. prefer that it was like, you know, it, it just fires at whatever strength it's at. When it's when it's charging, yeah. yeah. Or or it turns into a weak melee, mm-hmm. like he butts because you, you get introduced to a melee character very briefly later, and I liked that mm-hmm. as a thing. Like I think that would have been cool. Like high damage, 
short range or a melee attack. Yeah. And instead, when he, you know, when he's charging, the gun will still like create some flame, which is necessary because Alphonse's puzzle utility, aside from his large girth, which lets you, which lets you activate bigger pressure pads is that he will light things on fire in the world, yeah. uh, which is kind of as a different key uh, for different yeah. walls. Yeah. Puzzle is a very generous term. Like yeah. you go through vines and you light up two explosive barrels. Right. Um, so that's him. Um, as you're moving through, you see this just giant totem thing that you just kind of go past. Like it's very clearly a thing, but you can walk <laughs> by it. And then it becomes this giant robot frog yep. uh, to chase you on a kind of a chase. And this is your test of switching between guys. It will give you different um, obstacles and enemies. And you have to uh, move through. You have to be constantly dashing because you'll otherwise you'll get overrun. Right. And uh, switch between Alphonse and Getty. I could not imagine doing this by going into the menu every time. Did you have this figured out by? <laughs> uh, I did partway through because mm. I was going to the menu and then I looked at it and I was like, there has to be a way to do this. Yeah. And uh, and I, I eventually got and That's my fault. Like the game doesn't tell you. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it is my fault. The game doesn't actually tutorialize that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it is in the um, just in the controls. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you end up, you know, it chases you back out and, you know, the machines where it ultimately leads you to, uh, they're broken down. There's actually been nothing blowing these islands apart this entire time. Just there hasn't been a disaster by coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. They've been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you made it to Advent City here. Uh, when you arrive at the city, the city's under attack. Alphonse says, uh, my friends are here. I got to go because he's a pirate. He's defecting. The right. big deal. He says, teleport me when you need me. Um, you get to this lab where your mentor is there, and he's like, oh, here comes the big idiot. <laughs> if you didn't do the thing. You, you, you walk in, and like he saw you coming, so he got out his tuba. Just a yeah. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That's so dumbly mean. Um, and his students are there, and he's like, hey, you didn't uh, do this thing. You're a fucking moron. And the Getty's like, there, weren't, there wasn't anything to shut down. Like, he didn't – we did our best like there wasn't a thing there we fought a big thing and he goes yeah we'll see about that like what are you talking your, your, about your like, story can't be that nobody listens yeah. <laughs> just you, you don't i not i don't want to hear the end of any sentences <laughs> like what a terrible character the mentor is yeah like in this like yeah good god <laughs> like um, like nobody else really like stands up to him like you have this other teacher a chemistry teacher i assume because she wears a a, a lab beaker as a hat um yeah. you know cornell like she tries to console us then stand up for us you're equals right yeah yeah this guy because he got tenure doesn't mean you can deal with this bullshit <laughs> right. and because it's about the fate of the world so right. like even if you don't want them to stand up for moral reasons act like there are stakes yeah you terrible terrible idiots um, so yeah, he, and, and then later you, you, so like the way this shakes out is the teacher badmouths you, you Getty defends you cause you can't defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, the teacher goes, I don't believe you and leaves. Mm -hmm. Then you talk to the, the chemistry teacher and the chemistry teacher is like, yeah, you guys fucked it up. Yeah. And then you go, no, actually we couldn't. And she goes, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like you were right here. Like, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's very frustrating to me. Yeah. Uh, why, why, like you can't get my sympathies this way. Right. Nobody, you know, nobody acts like a person. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. So you, you teleport him, you teleport in Alphonse. Right. This point. Yeah. And he says, Hey, the secret to doing this, we need to go right to right toward the serpent's head. We need to get inside the dreadnought and take it out. Um, and yep. that is enough for Cornell, uh, the, the chemistry teacher to let us out. Um, and this gets us to more stealth, 
where we have to get by yep. some pirates and searchlights. If they see you, they lock you down and you're attacked with homing bombs. Yep. Yep. Which at least is not instant failure. Right. Like it's not super great, but it's better. Um, on your way, you meet this like panicking soldier who says that two of his squad mates have been captured. So, okay. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> and you, you make your way uh, flying around these like flying bomb drones that kind of uh, fall from the sky. Yeah, yeah. Um, this thing, and if you get within proximity, they blow up. Right. Uh, but you can also parry them to kind of shoot them away. Yeah. Um, and we once you get through that, you get to who I hoped would be our third, uh, <laughs> our third Me companion. Too. Yeah. Uh, this woman soldier who's recently lost a leg. Uh, her name is Anne, and you know we need to carry her because she cannot stand our own, on her own two feet. You're locked into having her, but uh, you know it's not really a burden because she has just a rip roar and melee attack. Yep, that does really good damage and is very mm -hmm. satisfying. And that would be an interesting iteration. Like you have a long range, a short range, and a no range. Yeah, kind of attack. Um, fit kind of a a mold. Yeah, there. and understand, I am saying I want her instead of a grappling hook of a kind. Yeah, yeah, that grappling hook is such a that's amazing. It's a, it's, it's a like the, the the reverse World Series of grappling hooks. <laughs> you know, um, I can fly. Uh, oh. You need a grappling hook, um, and they they're not good. Yeah. Um, soon you rescue this other character. Uh, you're meant this Bonanza character, Anna Bonanza, um, <laughs> who is an older woman who throws bombs, and you uh, use that to smash down this barrier. Yes, uh, and you fight the first of the bosses here. This kind of bomb copter that uh, shoots out parachute bombs, and Otis needs to whack them back at it. So this is well, like, like good weird homing bombs. Like they shoot out parachute bombs, but also shoots out those like homing. <laughs> the homing bombs are later. There's a different. Oh, one. gotcha. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Because, yeah, those are of a really weird arc. Mm -hmm. No, the, then, like, these parachute ones are fun. Like, it is the rare Otis-only fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, after you beat that, you you shoot the parachute bombs back. Um, you find another – this is the next one. The helicopter that shoots homing missiles. And these are move really erratically. And when you hit them back, they're very erratic, too. Yes. Like, this is tricky. I have no real problem with either of these. It's no, like, no. They're, like, they're not narratively important. But it's – you know, it's cool to fight a steampunk machine. I'm, I'm only human. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so at this point, this is where the game zooms out to reveal the dreadnought. Yes. Yeah. It's a big gunship. Yeah. And it's not just there. It's not just gigantic to be a spectacle. You have to close the distance. <laughs> like, um, luckily, there's just floating rocks. Yeah. Between you and it. Mm -hmm. uh, just cover. And it like laser locks onto you and you have to make sure there's a rock between you and it. Yeah. You just have to keep on approach. moving. Like, yeah, yep. this is, this is a really satisfying, like the, the, like this is a satisfying to, like mechanical moment. It feels good in your hands, you know, tricking well, and, these missiles. And there's a puzzle at the end. Kind yeah. Of. Like you get to the end and if you've been taking the high road, you could make a beeline or think you could make a beeline for the bomb port. Mm -hmm. But the trick is to actually go the kind of more circuitous route mm -hmm. through the bottom because you need to, because otherwise you'll get shot before you make it to the thing. Yeah. It's not really a puzzle, but it's like it's more like a trial and error. Like the first time you do it, you fail, and then you know what to do. But it's, uh, you know, it's a counterintuitive. It's a little bit of a surprise, I guess. Man, it's like yeah. talking about this kind of, kind of janky 2D stealth makes me want to really cover like a, a great 2D stealth game, like Gunpoint mm -hmm. or Mark of the Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> Those would be fun. Yeah, Mark of the Ninja is on uh, Switch now, too. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, um, yes, yeah, so you, you eventually get into this bomb shoot. Right. And uh, and go to the engine, and here's a little, like, you know, state, state of the world. Or, you know, the fate of the world's on, you know, this town's going to die. Uh -huh. um, where you get to the engine, uh, and Getty just gloats for a really long time uh, <laughs> while the bomb is going to go off. Yeah. Or while it's going to blow up. Yeah. No, no, nobody thought we could do it. Cinderella story. 
Um, and the engine yeah. just blows up while we're inside of it. And and this has the cadence of a joke or an endearing moment, but this mm-hmm. does not feel consistent with Getty's character to me and no. is not also referenced later. Right. Um, this is not characterization. It's just a little joke. Right. So <laughs> as we as we make a break for it, Alphonse runs out. Um, it's really difficult to know when to jump here. Um, mm-hmm. because you run into this, uh, kind of problem that it, it came up more later in this game, but when the art style is so lush, it's difficult to know what is foreground and will hurt you or stop you and yeah. what is background and is just meant to be pretty. And it's actually really bad in the end of it, the end game where you're in space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and here specifically, it's a bad problem just because of the flames. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What, what are the, what are the ambient flames and what are the background flames? Right. Um, so you're about to fly off the bow of this, and uh, Captain Molstrom arrives. He's the shadowy figure we saw from before. He's the big bad, yeah. a big pirate bot who uses has an anchor as a weapon. Um, right. I think this is actually kind of a cool design. He looks like something to me from like um, Mega Man Legends, like a cooler mm. Mega Man Legends design or something. That's a good uh, good comparison. Yeah, like every time he moves, the entire screen shakes. There's yep. a loud like thump. Uh, they build him up as this thing you're going to fight. You never and do. You yeah, yeah. I have mixed feelings about that. I yeah. think he's a cool design though. I think so too. Um, but yeah, like he just straight up throws Otis off of the ship, not really realizing that Otis can fly and that's not, (laughs) that's not going to bother him too much. Yeah. It's a weird thing not to realize. Yeah. I think he calls him owl boy or calls him owl or something like that several times. Owl lad. Um, yeah. (laughs) So, and then he crushes some kind of relic in his hand, you know, one of the ones that he got from the temple before jumping down to destroy Advent himself to get his own hands dirty. And we get the cinematic shot of Otis falling in the foreground. Well, Advent, this gigantic city, the Manhattan of the sky, blows up in the background. Yep. And this looks great, like yep. where you're falling in the foreground. looks super cool. Yes. Um, you wake up in your home village again at Valley uh, at the uh, at a character named Mandolin's house. She's a musician. There are a couple of musicians yep. around. There's a drum playing guy. Um, There's I think a I'll... house where drums always play. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so Veli has taken in refugees from Advent, and kind of everything's changed, by which I mean it gets a little bit more gloomy. Uh, yeah. And your mentor has been standing, uh, look out for days, presumably hoping to find you so he could berate you, the first thing. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to make sure you knew how bad you were. Right, right. About not uh, doing this thing. We sent our worst man, and it didn't work out. Pie, oh! We want to make sure he feels <laughs> Go on! <laughs> what's going on here. Because I am! Um... So you go to meet Getty at the new graveyard, and one of the characters is like, we never had to have a graveyard before. And I'm like, <laughs> did you just throw people off extremely the... thick. <laughs> okay. Where did you just send your bodies? Did nobody ever die? Nope. Uh, yeah, I guess they were immune to everything except for pirate relics. Um, I That line made me laugh. I know it wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to think it was very sad. But right. Like, we never had to have a graveyard before, Mr. We, we never Mr. had Betty. to have sewers. when we, we, we Nobody pooped before the relics. Yeah, we we poop in weird dry skeleton poops. Growls. Like, it's not, you know. Uh, the local school children harvest them. Yes. So, um, uh, but this is where you see Getty. Uh, and also, Sola stumbles by. He is weirdly yep. fleeing from Valley. Yes. Um, Getty's very sad about this. He's blaming himself for not saving more people. Should have blamed himself for not shutting the fuck up. And doing uh, that weird little animation, that dance he does. Yeah. I don't like that dance. Yeah. Um, that he was doing and, and, uh, you know, that wouldn't have necessarily changed the blow up thing, but also it was dumb. Yes. Uh, the mentor, you know, he's talking to himself saying like, Hey, if these pirates get all these relics, then society as we know it is doomed. And of course, with those stakes there, he does not want to talk to Otis. Yeah. 
Otis can't handle that. So right. Alphonse uh, pops up behind a bush, says, hey, meet me at your house. Yeah, he has to hide uh, because he is a pirate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when you get there, he says, hey, the pirates were created by the owls. Uh, Molstrom is gathering the owl relics. And a cutscene details how the owls created the robots to serve different purposes so they could focus on their pursuit of knowledge. So Morlocks and Eloy, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Molstrom specifically was built for war. And when there's no war, he rebelled um, and started the gang of pirates. Yes. And the owls disappeared. Like they went off to, you know, be the great race or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, the pirates remained. So that's why the, the owl people and the regular people have pirate enemies. Right. Molstrom is big boss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so these pirates, they destroyed Advent to get a hold of the second relic, and now only one remains uh, kind of on this floating continent, which is news to me. Every continent is floating. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this is called the floating continent. Here's the first one. Yes. Um, and it's up, John floating. <laughs> it's up in Strato is where it's yeah. at. So we have to go real high up. Yep. Um, and as you uh, fly up, you get another cutscene with Molstrom bringing the jars together. Yes. Um, a hooded figure stands by. So good, good little update on those jars. Yep. Um, here's, here's like, you know, I'm lost from here on out more or less in the game. Yeah. Like, I don't like this next section. I don't like these dungeons. Um, yeah, we've done the two dungeons I kind of like. Yeah. Some of the end is a, is a little bit better, but I'm pretty checked out at this point. Um, this first like kind of area is this topos like area on the way to Stratos. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to pass through this area full of uh, thorny vines. So it's a little bit like irritating stick. Yeah. It, you know, it adds damage hazards to the environment on the edges. Yep. So you have to stay in the middle and enemies will come out from the sides and knock you into them. Uh, mm -hmm. you can go down the side of one tricky path, uh, and find this large tree with an owl medallion in front of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is where Aeolus, you know, the owl who created the guardians. Who used to be Mayonnaisus. <laughs> but now he's a, he's a <laughs> but, but, but now he needs to be out market. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's the guy who created the guardians and the machines and he speaks to you saying like, Hey, come to my sanctuary. I think this is side story stuff. Um, I don't, yeah, the, I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't do it. I, I'm like, and, and people like, I don't. People can say, and it's a relatively like a half fair criticism of someone's like, you're complaining about the story, but you didn't go do all the side stuff. And I'm like, uh, yes, but also it wasn't compelling to me to go do it. Yeah. Know? And, you know, so, yes, assumptions make make asses of you and me. Also, everything else kind of snaps to grid in a certain predictable pattern. Oh, yeah. It's pretty easy to assume that the pieces that are missing are necessarily going to spike up or down. Uh, you know, aggressively from the other stuff that we're seeing. Too. Yeah, I did not feel like there was going to be a redemptive. I was going to, there was no one piece of information that would have fixed this right. for me. So I don't feel like I missed it. Right. Um, um, and I saw this and really like, I, I mean, it was information that I already knew. The owls had intellectual hubris, created slaves to do their work for them while they tampered with God's will. Cool. Thumbs up. It, well, and that's another thing that makes this feel like it is the product of many rewrites mm -hmm. and kind of, kind of that stuff is the fact that you do get the same information multiple times over. Yeah. You know, um, like that. And you never are allowed to surmise anything. Mm -hmm. Like some of that stuff, like, could have been not just had a character just tell you. Right. You know, some of these things. And that just doesn't really happen. Yeah. It's a little frustrating. Um, there's another side tunnel filled with these uh, dandelion spores that pop up. Yeah. Uh, that's where you can insert this uh, this medallion that you found earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and it seems like it gave me a resource that I could never spend. Uh, nothing that yeah. I looked up uh, illuminated that. I don't really, I don't really know what those are. Yeah, um, there's also these flying enemies uh, that make these kind of caterpillars, which jump out at you. Yes, and do a lot of damage. This is kind of the beginning of the difficulty spike of the game. Yeah, the forgotten for the forgotten jungle area is going to really, really hammer on that. 
yeah, uh, because that's this where is, we're going next. yeah, this is where we start getting, uh, darkness. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we get to the gates of the floating continent and we find this hooded figure that we've seen from the cutscenes. He again speaks to you saying like, Hey, the floating continent and the technology of the owls was a really big deal. Um, mm -hmm. and you're about to see that then it teleports away. Yep. Um, Giddy is afraid of the dark and they're, they're meat eating gnats here. Yes. So Alphonse says like, I can come and my musket, my musket will help light the way. Right. I'll hold a lighter. Yeah. So, uh, what you're doing, you have like different levels of illumination that you can have around you either by, uh, kind of firefly enemies that follow you, uh, by mm -hmm. eating particular fruits that light Otis up or like minimally by having Alpha Alphonse light his uh, little lighter as you go along. Yep. yep. And it's difficult. Yeah. Um, there are hazards that spring from the walls and it's like, it's difficult. And I complained about this game, not having enough kind of rigor, but I don't think this is a particularly interesting challenge. Like, right. If you don't have the proper light and you don't always have the ability to get the, get the proper light, you're just mm -hmm. going to take damage on accident. It's not going to be through failure. Right. You know, similar to the games of the game, I guess, where like <laughs> all of your mistakes are accidents, not through failure, but the game wants it to be about failure. Yeah. You know, um, I don't feel I didn't feel like I fucked up when I took damage here. Additionally, you know? this was enough of a problem where my sphere of light was not big enough to illuminate the edges of the area. So mm -hmm. I would just straight up miss passages. Doors, yeah. It's yeah. extremely hard to navigate this. I ended up looking up a map. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like followed it one to one to get through here and do all the things I needed to do because mm -hmm. navigating it was not a fun puzzle. Right. Uh, you know, the game doesn't have a map. Um, and if it were more of a Metroidvania, I think it would really need it. For the most part, it gets away with not having one, um, but this would have been an area where it would have been very helpful, I think. Yeah. And other games that experiment with that kind of darkness uh, thing do use maps for um, that kind of stuff. They're, you know, you know Hollow Knight. Symphony or Hollow Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Eventually, things do lighten up. There are like dark areas to this, um, mm -hmm. uh, and you eventually have to blow away a particular bush that is very nondescript to get a button to leave Alphonse on. It's like, just like yeah. a little bit of background cruft that you have to clear off. Weird. Yeah. Opens up this gate. You, you find this third relic, um, that, uh, the troublemaker and Alphonse's old partner, those buddies are right there. Mm -hmm. Um, they touch the relic and they cause it, its platform starts sinking to the ground. Right. And, uh, you kind of have to get to the, this next little bit involves you searching out these torches and lighting torches. Cause Zelda. Right. Um, and, uh, on your way, one of those torches is guarded by a bee. You fight a bee. It's just mm -hmm. a mini boss. He's not that big a deal. Right. Um, this other torch uh, summons some birds that look like oil lamps and you have mm -hmm. to like lure them over by destructible areas and attack them in order to make them blow up uh, obstructions. Mm -hmm. What this is ultimately doing is like opening up a circuitous way to navigate the entire dungeon within a time limit. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, eventually you get to this kind of statue of an owl face and you like these two torches uh, and then carry a ball on a stick around the circle of the face. It's like a clock face and you have to like move one of the hands. Yeah. It was very difficult to find a way to describe that in text. It's, yeah. It's really, it's really weird. Yeah. Like what you're, what you're doing here. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, we're in full, very like weird 2d Zelda with flight. Like it's, we're in a weird spot Yes, here as far as the kinds of puzzles we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff is extremely boilerplate, like getting an enemy close to a wall and shooting them. So they blow up mm -hmm. is as old as the Hills when it comes to video games. Like, there's still nothing really new going on here, which right. is a real problem. Yeah. Um, doing this causes the, uh, the gnats that, uh, that Getty was afraid of. It causes them to spawn. Uh, and this makes it so darkness isn't just inconvenient, but also deadly. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you have to move from light source to light source again using these paths that you opened up uh, to get back to this other clock face to uh, work at that and open the way forward to the relic. Yep. Um, the relic has descended into the continent's molten core. What? <laughs> uh, there's a molten core to this continent. Yes. Uh, and uh, Dirk and Twig, these two guys are there. Um, Dirk activates a defense mechanism and leaves, uh, leaving Twig behind because Dirk is a psychopath and a bad mm -hmm. friend. Yeah. Um, and the robot uh, talks about defending something called the Hex Machine. Right. Which is foreshadowing of the malediction prophecy stuff we're going to get at the end. <laughs> right. Uh, and this brings in a boss fight with a big gooey meaty guy with a metal piece for a head. I didn't look yeah, up this yeah. guy's name. Um, I think you got it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is kind of fun. Like he's got these big flexible so arms. Um, I, yep. I, I like fighting an enemy that breaks style like that. It's almost like a mm -hmm. mode seven kind of thing. Yep. Um, swings those, those, those bad boys around. Um, he uh, will make missiles kind of fall from the ceiling in a, interesting patterns, mm -hmm. you know, where you have to, to kind of dodge between them. Um, yeah. He's neat. Yeah. Like it is, it is cool. Good looking stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, you beat him and this, uh, lets you activate a teleportation mechanism. Um, you know, like again, at the heart of the continent and you end up outside, uh, where you need to activate some switches you're back around the buccanary shop, uh, to kind of, uh, activate the teleporter to get you back into the core to this area called molten. Yes. Yep. And now you're in molten. Um, you find Dirk trying to get the, the relic. He can't dislodge it, but he runs away from you. Right. Um, um, and to get there, you have to illuminate these two eyes in the background. There's like this central area with a couple of paths going across. Yep. And you do this by turning screws, introducing kind of, kind of a mechanic that's used a little bit later where you stand on a, a platform and spin it. Yes. Um, so find these large screws. Yeah. Um, there are terminals around, which give a little history of the owls and their research into something called the hex machine, mm -hmm. which we're, we're now learning about a little bit. Um, and they introduce these, uh, monkey enemies. Holy here. shit. These are a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not great. Uh, yeah. they, cl they cling kind of the background stuff and they move really quickly and kind of dive at you. Yes. And when they grab you, they will just immediately drag you down. Yep. You have a very short amount of time to shake them off mm -hmm. um, before they uh, drag you into lava sometimes, right. like if you're over lava. And that becomes a thing in the boss fight uh, that's coming up. Um, and I did not know you could shake them off at first. Mm hmm. Um, like fire and eventually that that does make a really big difference it does because it turns an instant death boss fight into one that you can actually deal with yeah yeah um you find these two these two small screws that are keys to a larger terminal that uh kind of issues the same command over and over again the world is destroyed looping the idea of the yes. loop is incredibly important to this but it's also never explained really beyond just the name that is given yeah it's supposed to be like this kind of eldritch beyond Yes. Kind of event horizon anything. Yes. You know, I think is the idea. Mm -hmm. um, the loop. Um, you come upon a large gorilla here. <laughs> um, and as you get there, Dirk throws a knife at him and this enrages him and you get this boss fight with this king gorilla. Yes. Uh, so it is a boss fight in that there is a big guy in the background. That's a very attractively designed sprite. Um, mm -hmm. And he pounds his hands and eventually, uh, that, not eventually, uh, that just spawns a bunch of monkeys in that you have to fight. The floor is lava. And if the monkeys grab onto you and you do not shake them off in time, they will drag you into it, killing you instantly. Yes. So even with the shaking, this is obnoxious. Yes. You're just doing a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. Cool, cool, like cool sprite in the background. Yeah, but, and, but not not a great boss fight. It's fun when when you come back and he's afraid of you. But yeah, yeah, yep, yep. 
Um, <laughs> afterwards, uh, you lower this final screw, uh, and you get chased upwards by this rising lava flow into another boss arena. The bosses are coming fast and furious with this mm-hmm. lava worm. Yes. Um, it's got two patterns, um, and this is pretty yep. tough. Like I felt pretty yep. good when I, once I figured this out, um, uh, it flies around kind of bursting from the walls at various points. Uh, the trick is figuring out exactly which points is going to hit in which order. Um, and then it kind of posts up and, uh, drops some boulders and fires some spray. The idea being like where, where he starts will determine where he ends. So you have to like lure him into shooting mostly at empty space while you hide yep. under him. Uh, this part's all fine and good. Mm-hmm. I like this. This next segment segment sucks. Oh, the chase find, kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. I think this sucks. I yeah. think it's just really confusing looking. It's difficult. Like, you ride on the head of the dungeon explodes, and you are doing uh, riding on this worm's head to to get out. The worm's trying to escape, and you're riding it to, uh, to safety. Yes. Which is fine. Like, it's going for this big adventure mm-hmm. deal. Um, you um, can control the way he flies, like, up and down. However, yep. the point of view rotates. <laughs> yes. either as the camera rotates or as he winds around leaving you upside down um which is kind of like having somebody just flip your screen up and down or flip your controller up and down like your inputs yeah. and i and i found it very nauseating yeah uh as a thing like i i made my stomach churn a little bit yeah um i think that like i would have been fine with this as a cutscene mm-hmm. kind of thing if they want to go for that adventure yeah so, yeah. yeah it just felt like um it felt like a challenge like a fake challenge to me. Yeah. Like it yep. would have been super fun. I think if it was just, you were controlling him uh, from left to right and up was With always no- up and down was always yep. down. That would have been yep. plenty for me. But the fact that it twists things around felt unnecessary and mean spirited to me. Yeah. I think they were trying this is again, those callbacks towards like mode seven, Castlevania four, that kind of, yeah, trying to go yeah. for those, a rotating kind of thing. Um, eventually, uh, Twig pops up, worms the or webs up the worm's head. Spider-Man's um, so you can get off. And we're now in an area called Misos, where this is that scene we talked about earlier, where Twig wants to join you, mm-hmm. and you're like, "You were the jerk who was breaking all our machinery and stuff." And he goes, "I just wanted a friend." <laughs> and Alphonse and Owlboy are like, "Okay." And Betty like rightfully freaks out. Yeah, he says, "You um, helped the world end, so yeah, I'm gonna like, you're go." You're trying to destroy the world. Like, I'm out of here. Like, you guys are idiots to take this guy with you, and he's right. Yes. Uh, but it doesn't mean we don't do it. Uh-huh. Like we we take them with us um, <laughs> for some reason. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, and so we are left with, uh, we're left rolling three deep instead of four deep in Misos. Yep. which is uh, Snow Level, has, I think, the best music in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, love the Misos theme. It's great. Yep. Um, you know, and we are trying to navigate these tunnels where the wind is too strong, and this is where we get the tutorial of how to use Twig. You know, Twig is a stick a stick bug who, you know, pretends to be a spider um, and uh, still has web shooters, and that is the way you grapple hook to get past hazards and things that move you around. Yeah. And you very rarely need to do this. Right. Like, it moves quicker. It's faster than your your very slow flying speed. But it's not – you can fly. Like, typically, the, the situations they contrive to make a grappling hook work are not very clever or satisfying. 
It's like sometimes wind, um, you can use it to go through waterfalls mm -hmm. as well. It's just not, um, you know, I don't know. It, it doesn't do anything with momentum. Like grappling hook mechanics have been a thing for a long time, and this doesn't really do any of the things they do. This just snaps you to different grids. It's almost like just teleport points. Yeah, like it eventually becomes necessary for quick moving boss fights. To yeah. move, you know, to move past hurt areas and kind of outmaneuver uh, people. But that is um, not necessarily the promise of grappling hooks. And th that's even that's a little bit better than this stuff. Yeah. Like when he's introduced, I was very bummed out by him. And yeah. his main attack is just better yeah. than everything that um, they replace Getty temporarily with somebody who's just better than him. But it's not like we don't get Getty back. Right. And Getty doesn't come back like, hey, I've been working on a new gun and now I have a, a ludic purpose in this game. Right. Nope. He's just good for the enemies that are color coded to him. Right. You know, but it has nothing to do with like the actual efficacy of his his verb. Mm -hmm. um, bummer. Yeah. Uh, but eventually we make our way to the surface, the beautiful snowy surface. Um, and Twig leaves for his house. He's got to go, got to go, go check up on his family. Yep. Um, and turns out he's actually a stick bug who wants to be a spider because it's cool. Yep. Um, and his yeah. family is being hassled by the pirates. Which yep. hey, hey, you, you not only tried to end the world, but you totally betrayed your yeah, family. Well, like, yeah. Well, and also these pirates who are, are they just busy that day? Like, we're going to end the world, but we're going to take some time to bully some nerds. <laughs> you know, like, where are they having time to do this hassle? Of? You know, so he betrayed his family. He tried to end the world. Right. The pirates are taking time off of their busy schedule to bully the family. Like, <laughs> nobody's motivations make sense. Welcome to Owl Boy. Like, yeah. nothing is, is consistent, you know? Yeah. Um, so you're introduced to his family, um, and they're they're kind of teasing him, and now I'm, they're trying to make this like he doesn't belong, and and uh, Otis doesn't belong. Right. Idea like some kind of parallel there. Um, they're teasing him. This is where the uh, the one this might come like slightly later. But this is the one thing that made me smile. Um, is the the grandpa saying like I'm going to teach you a lesson, and then just walking like one step at a time over. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? You remember seeing that? I, I think I remember it. Go into more yeah. detail, please. Well, he's like, there's a part where like, you know, you say you're going to go off to adventure or whatever. And the grandpa's like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll show you what adventure is or something like that. And he takes like one step and then he says something and he takes one step and takes something. He's just very slow. It's just a joke about it. <laughs> right. But the actual, the timing of it fits with the game. Like, right, it, it's, right. It's such a stark contrast to those sketches with the, the gnomes. You know, right. it doesn't, the animation's actually contributing to the humor, mm -hmm. not just like slowing down the pacing. Yeah. You know, I get that. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, so uh, they help you open up a uh, a path back to Tropos um, because mm -hmm. everything, even though you are literally at different parts of the atmosphere, everything connects uh, in mm -hmm. a, in, a, in, a, in a certain way. Um, but Alphonse, you know, to to make this happen, convinces Twig's family that hey, we need Twig to you know to come with us. You let him yep. like run around and end the world. Why don't you let him run around and save it? Yeah, like okay, we don't actually care about kids. Yeah. So it's fine. They um we get a cutscene where Dirk takes the third relic uh to the jars, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. Um you can go back now through Tropos to get to a different part of Mesos um and back to the entrance of the dreadnought. Yeah. So now we are back at the dreadnought. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna make another go at it. Uh this is the area where I had my little uh triumph. And you know, it, it was the place where an entire area came together for me, where you're mm -hmm. where you're opening up a path to do like a timed run around the entire level which is pretty mm -hmm. good. Um, yeah. So you come to the backside of the dreadnought uh, and there are more stealth sections here, uh, but twig makes it easy to just kind of go from safe spot to safe spot. So mm -hmm. that's a little bit of empowerment by way of new abilities. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and once you actually get inside this, this uh, robot opens fire on you. You escape into these vents, and he tries to smoke you out. So it becomes this uh, stealth poison kind of zone. Like, you, it's yeah. this night poison. It's dark until you can find this, like, deactivation but yeah, yeah, and the poison drains get, your health as well. Yeah, we are going to get to that gas that's going to come up in a little bit. But first, it's just it's dark. Yeah. And then you this in, leads the way to these stealth sections where you have to web up these flying bombs without being seen. If you are seen, it's not instant death. It just it introduces this gas mm-hmm. um, that starts hurting you until you can find a button to turn it off. Right. And the reason why this is a little bit frustrating is because now there are no healing items in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just becomes like, essentially like, it's just a one way ticket. Like once you start dying, you'll die. And then yeah. the checkpoints are fairly generous, but it's just weird that now there are no longer healing things. It, yeah. It's weird that mechanically they are substituting checkpoints for any kind of health recovery. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, so at a certain point while you're in here going around these vents and doing stealth chores, the dreadnought takes off. Um, and so it's just you and it's just you and Twig right now. You have to find Alphonse. So you go through some bomb bays and missile tubes, uh, grappling mm-hmm. from point to point to get to him. And he says, Hey, our only real chance here is to find the relics and use them against Molstrom. We take out Molstrom. Everything goes our way. Yep. He's a, he's a load bearing Molstrom. <laughs> um, so as you, as you're making your way there right before the Dirk fight, there's this long kind of time dash to get this door you open. Um, and you have to get through a good portion of the level. This is the thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Where you open up the, the things and make a, a pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, Dirk locks you in though at this point and loses it with Alphonse. Um, and Dirk says like, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we're not really friends anymore. My motivation was to get more powerful. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> so, so, so the power of friendship brought friends. Yep. Yeah. Good. Uh, good motivation. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, uh, that lame motivation actually gives way to a pretty cool boss fight. Yeah. Dirk's fun. Yeah, with, uh, with Dirk. Yeah. Uh, so this is really a test for how to zip around with Twig. So Dirk has three phases, um, and uh, each of them are kind of the same. Like, he'll start by leaping and throwing some daggers. Um, with each phase, he throws more daggers and leaps more quickly. Uh, and then eventually, he will leave himself open by dropping to the ground to do a, to do a charge. Um, you have to, like... Uh, juke him on that charge and wait for him to leave himself open after the charge. And that's when you do, that's when you do damage to him. Um, Mm -hmm. this is incredibly tight in terms of the margins that it leaves you. And I felt good for surmounting it. Yeah. It's a good fight. It's probably the best fight in the game, actually. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, this is, yeah, this is good. Um, afterwards, you know, Dirk says he's sad that Alphonse abandoned him. It's like, well, go fuck yourself. You're going to destroy the world in order to become more powerful. Like, (laughs) No sympathy for you. Yeah. Uh, it explodes. Like, I guess having a friend wasn't so bad after all. No one wants to be your friend because you're a psychopath and you want the world to blow up. Like, right. there's no shade to any character in this world. Um, stop acting like there is. And right. Stop trying to elicit sympathy. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you can go and confront Molstrom and the ship shakes. Solus has entered the uh, has entered the equation here uh you know the the relic cages are empty um and uh you know he escapes solus does in a hail of gunfire as molstrom throws a tantrum getty has decided no i need to rescue these terrible people he crashes a helicopter into molstrom giving everybody a chance to escape yep uh which is kind of a fun little cinematic or cinematic yeah section not so bad Right. Um, we're back on the ground. Solus caught Otis as he fell. 
he's mm-hmm. fallen from that fucking ship. Yeah. Um, and says, hey, don't follow me, Otis. And Otis goes, well, I'm not going to question that. Uh-huh. Um, he wakes up at his house in Tropos. Uh, Getty has come to his senses, and we need to find whoever took the relics, and we need to beat Molstrom right. uh, to him. So this is kind of where you find out that somebody is behind Molstrom. There's a man behind the man. Right. This is the cloaked um, figure that we have seen kind of off in the edges talking to Molstrom as he places the relics in the jars. Yep. Worm tonguing him. <laughs> um, you go to the scientists and they say that there's actually a landmass hanging high above the mesosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so get in my rocket, which is actually a house mm-hmm. and uh, protect everyone within the rocket house or <laughs> that's the rocket house. And you get up there. I love that episode. It's one of my favorites for like late yeah. Simpsons. Uh-huh. It's so good. It's all time. Yeah, by all-time late faves. Simpsons, you mean in the first third of the run? Yeah. Yeah. One of my all time faves. Yeah. Um, I have political really powers. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> so yeah, every, <laughs> nuts. everybody hops in there and you blast off. And now we are in space. Yep. And here is where the game like says like, actually we are a platformer now because uh-huh. space is too thin. So you have to fly. Yeah. Like weird choice. Right? No, the, like, the, the air is too thin. So Otis cannot fly. So okay, therefore he has fly, to yeah. jump. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause gra- yeah, gra- gravity is weaker. So you have a little bit more of a float, but it's a weird choice because it's like typically at the end of this thing, you want to test the mechanics you've been developing. Mm-hmm. The game hasn't really been testing mechanics at all or developing them, though. Right, right. So it just ends up feeling like switching to a different mode. It doesn't feel like an evolution or an iteration or like commentary on what came before. Yeah, yeah. And not every last act needs to uh, needs to be a rigorous exam. See um, Half-Life 2, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the last act of that is just pure candy for you, right? Uh, yeah. There can be a shift in mode. The problem is it like there needs to be some satisfaction probably, or else it's just kind of a weird departure. It'd be yeah. like if this game became a visual novel for the last, for the last part. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. You know, it, there are point, points where I missed flying, but just because I wanted to circumvent like not particularly fun platforming. Yeah. Not because it was like a power that I missed or an ability I missed really. Mm-hmm. And typically when that happens, like if that was what they were going for, you bring it back. Right. You know, you do super gravity gun and then it never really comes back. Mm-hmm. Like the game just kind of ends after this. Yeah. You know, so ludically it is it. This is it failing to make its point or whatever yeah. it was trying to do with gameplay. Like it just doesn't it doesn't happen. Right. Um, so we're, we're at the temple. Uh, we chase Solus uh, through these kind of like light platforming puzzles as we go on mm-hmm. our way there. Yes. Um, uh, Solus is up to something. Uh, we have not gotten his big villain speech yet. He is yep. the owl boy who is owl yep. boy. He is. Uh, he's the, the cloaked figure, and if you're very slow on the uptake. Yes. Yeah. Um, you find some books on plinths in the background, like the end of Braid, that explains more the of The history this. of plinths. How to make a plinth. <laughs> like, like, by, by Martha Plinthton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> George Plinthton's wife. Yeah. 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 Um, so the owls, uh, what they did, you know, they, they, they studied here. Uh, and discovered the loop, this eldritch force that is never explained, but is powerful and dark enough that it kind of caused them to do a bunch of bad stuff. It causes existential uh, existential anguish across all of owl society. Yes. Uh, so they work with the machines on the floating continent to break the loop. They create something called the hex. Mm-hmm. The upend the laws of the universe. There are hexes and anti-hexes in this. Yes. Like, this is where it gets extremely malediction profitable. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, at this floating tower, these remaining owls, um, after this, so the remaining owls who were left behind after they upended the laws of the universe blew up the, blew up the planet and caused the, uh, floating continent syndrome that they're living under. The remaining owls worked on a new hex that would bring the world crashing down. 
and put it under the control of the owls again. This was the anti-hex that they were working on. Yes. Um, so lots of proper nouns. Yeah. Uh, to no real end. Um, once you get past this, you get outside again and you're on this bridge, uh, th- like that, that breaks mm-hmm. here, this bridge that you're on. Uh, pieces of rock start floating upwards and you have to jump between them as they rise. And then yeah. eventually you start floating as well. Right. As you leave whatever gravitational force was holding you, even in the uh, the lower reaches of space, this yep. becomes a platforming challenge and your buddies like throw you upward. So yeah. pl- playing off on that theme um, a little yep. bit mechanically, this is another area where the foreground background problem becomes an issue. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I definitely tried to get on some things that you cannot get on. Right. Um, once you get up, uh, into your kind of Mario galaxy, your way to this massive kind of owl space station above you, mm-hmm. um, you see that, uh, uh Solus Solus is, is performing, is this, performing ritual. this ritual. Yeah. yeah. And you need to walk up to him and give him a keep, keep <laughs> tap him on the shoulder. I kind of like this. Every time you talk to him, he was too, he was too focused on performing the ritual in front of this massive owl statue. You mm-hmm. actually have to like thwap him to break his concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and this is where you fight Solus. Um, I like this boss fight an awful lot. This is good. Yeah. Because he yeah. himself is pretty fragile, but he has a lot of attacks. Um, and he is kind of like circulating between the different relics that he has available to him. Yep. So it's a lot of stuff to learn how to dodge. Um, and it requires that you use all of your different buddies because in different ways he's like the different glyphs that he has are weak to their different attacks. Yes. And this is, this is them tying in gameplay to your dependence on your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, this is them, you know, and fair enough, right? Like, does does an okay job yeah. of, you know, if it's going to make a game about friendship, it's kind of about friendship. But the part of it that's about friendship, making you actually rely on them to do the boss fight is good. Yes. Yep. Um, after you take him out, he's, the soul says the rugs aren't weapons. Molstrom used them that way. The owls created them uh, to power the hex to break the loop. Um, that caused the calamity. We're just getting that backstory again. We've yeah. already seen it if we read uh, about plinths. Mm-hmm. Um, the continents are actually accelerating, though. Soon they'll be in space entirely. Right. Um, what I did as a villain was trick the pirates into helping me gather the relics to get the anti-hex because I didn't know anyone I could trust. Right. And that's also themey. A little, you know, like a little the, bit. Like, as crime, a society, let's not be so cruel because somebody might decide to work outside the system and doom us all. Yes. Um, <laughs> but sometimes when we're cruel... <laughs> someone might work outside the system and save us all right so it's not a commentary on cruelty right it's not there's no you know the the difference between otis and solace is that otis had friends yeah but it's not the difference in what you choose to do as a player mm-hmm. that you have friends um and solace rejects like it's not like you're mean to solace no you know or anything like that like we do see him some people kind of teasing him or anything, but it's not the torrent of abuse that you get. No. You know, so I don't really know. I don't think they're, they're doing a good job of setting up this contrast. No, not, not in particular. Um, specifically yeah. because we still have a very real villain, Molstrom, the machine created for war. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Who's, who's showing up, who does not really tie into the themes not, at all. Not really. Like it's, I mean, the, the owls are kind of shits, just like any mega yeah, society any that race. Yeah. yeah. Crater, crater society. But also it just makes Solus seem like more of a shithead. Yeah. Where for, he's like, for playing with that fire. Yeah. For just being like, this thing is created only for war. I can manipulate them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, 
it's not even just they didn't trust anyone to help him. He didn't trust anyone to be like, hey, is this a good idea? <laughs> like, should I do this? Yeah. Um, you know, and just instead he just kind of did it. Yeah. Um, Solus is a very unsatisfying character to me. A little bit. Um, like he looks good and he carries like in his posture and music, like mm-hmm. the idea of sympathy very well. Yeah. But when you actually think about what he did and the decisions he makes, he makes no is they make no more sense than anything else anyone else did. Yeah. He like, is just as reasonable as the teacher guy. Yeah. Like, like, like at no point is there ambiguity about the, about the means and ends of this. Yep. Like it's pretty bad no matter what, like, yes, he was trying to save the world, but you know, what would be pretty good. Like talking about it enough that you find non monsters to help you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, and that's not that much to ask. And if the yeah. idea was, like you just if you want to have them under similar pressures and have mm-hmm. different things be the result, like you you'd make them under different pressures. Like you could show um this is what happens to a uh, a character who gets this, and this is what happens to a character who gets this. Yeah. You know, there's other games we've done that where that is the uh, the point. I'm I'm blanking on the the experience. Pokemon. Right now. Sure. Yeah, Pokemon's a great example. <laughs> Gary, you know, Gary and Red. There's a really strong example of something we've done on a show, and I can't remember right now, yeah. but where they produce two characters, and it's like, this is commentary. This is mm-hmm. this character having the good life mm-hmm. that this character doesn't have. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it can be very meaningful as as a contrast. It just doesn't happen here, though. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I just don't I just don't know. Like, Otis could have learned a different lesson than the one they are going for if Otis was the privileged one. Mm-hmm. And Otis... Uh, was not abused his entire life. Yeah. And then Solus was, and Solus turned to this because he couldn't trust anybody. Right. And then the message is like, Hey, don't be an asshole because you might need everybody. Right. (laughs) Like people that you're assholes to might be, you know, just like, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that didn't, uh, that didn't come up here. You know, I don't really know what it's trying to get when it's two abused people, one of which decided they couldn't trust people. One of which, did decide i suppose mm-hmm. and it's like the message is just like hey trust people with no relation to their individual abuses yeah the abuses feel gratuitous with that because the abuse didn't teach otis not to trust mm-hmm. it could have yeah it didn't though you know like it like, like it was never a struggle that he went through where somebody extended a hand to him and he said no that hand is going to hurt me instead of comfort anything. me yeah yeah like otis doesn't learn anything because the things that he could learn which are like about Picking yourself that has nothing to do with this theme. That has to do with like picking yourself up after you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He never made a mistake, and everyone, no one around him is ever like, uh, kind of shown you know, fixed. You know, no one else around him learns, right? Either like deeply unsatisfying thematic content in this game, yeah. And it it wants that, and we spend a lot of time on and it. like the postures. So <laughs> the, the the postures that they assume to get to those end results, I'm down for. Right. Yes. You know, like, like any of the things that it faints toward, I'm like, I'm on board for. It's not that I'm oh, okay. Power of friendship, eh, you know, weak. Turn that into trust and distrust and abuse. Okay, cool. You just need to take it to the next order, right? Um, but it never actually like it never follows through on those postures or faints that it that that it makes. It thinks yeah. that it followed through if I'm reading what happened on the screen, but it just didn't land at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I does not, does not work for me. Yeah. Does not work for me as a thing. Yeah. Um, so that's his big villain thing. That's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, before you can have, cast, uh, help him cast the anti-hex, which is hilariously like 
<laughs> aligning patterns on one of those things that has like three faces uh-huh where it's like the top eyes and the nose it, it's, it's like, like a it's, warrior it's, wear game is how you do it it's it, it's it's a kid's playground toy yeah, yeah. Is, high, is the is the anti-hex so yeah. good job owls maybe it's just actually <laughs> actual owls and they're as smart as owls <laughs> but, but owls <laughs> are fucking dumb accident. as hell like all they yeah. like the only thing they're smart at is like recognizing when a mouse moves beneath snow <laughs> yeah and tearing scalps off of people who threaten their young <laughs> right. you know like owls aren't smart birds aren't smart right like, like, I, like, I love birds but they're they're yeah. good because no, they're, no, they're they're fucking dipshits same with cats yeah. you know yeah yeah animal animals are not smart generally except for <laughs> octopus which, which right. should be able to rule us yeah yeah, well, I mean, yeah. And like they should, you should go to aquariums to see us. I, I think octopuses should vote. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, at least, like, you know, some vote. Yeah. You know? Um, but, like, like every every 24 arms, you get a vote. Right. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so the, anywho, um, he, you can't do the, the child's toy that is the right. anti-hex. Right. Because Molstrom shows up. Right. Molstrom has been set in this direction, given a taste of power, and he does not want you to take it away from him. Uh, instead, what he does is kind of like push you into the vacuum of space, I think. Something like that. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. And all of your friends, to stop him, they hold him back as you reassemble this. Yep. As you do the, the child toy. Right. Um, the, the, the totem blast you. Mm-hmm. And the anti-hex emerges from your body and vaporizes Molstrom. Right. So, so good. And <laughs> blows uh, everyone else out of the way. Uh-oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We don't actually know who's alive at the end of this game, which is very weird. Yeah. Um. So, Otis, you wake up then in some kind of weird dream thing where it's like limbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, this is like, I don't know exactly what this is. I, it, we don't know if it's the afterlife cause we don't know if Otis is dead or not. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's left, afterlife. it's left really ambiguous. Like the person uh, who talks to you through this, as you go through kind of an echo of that dream that began the game with the tutorial, the person says yeah. like, yeah, you're not quite dead. You're not quite alive. This is a space in between. Um, yeah. it's a vision of the past, the present and the future. So like you are inhabiting the hex. Yeah, this is a present a vision of the past, present, and future is a meaningless statement. Yes. That sounds a uh, thing. And just kind of says, like, hey, you did it. Jim. Yeah. <laughs> and Otis can talk now. Yeah. And Otis, you know, Otis doesn't say anything particularly noteworthy as his first words, but because mm-hmm. it's a spirit form, he can talk. And this is supposed to be the big emotional payoff to him being mute. It's not terrible. Like, I think if the character was done better, mm-hmm. having the character talk in the afterlife is actually could have a lot of weight. I could get a little bit of that uh, the, the the stand Nick Andros action going on. Rob Lowe yeah. talking to t- talking to Tom Cullen. Yeah, yeah you could you could have done something cool with it. It doesn't really do it, but this this version, this fake version, you know, God or whoever you're chatting with here, mm-hmm. um, as Ozio, who like this. There's a pretty easy interpretation. This is the afterlife, and this is God. Yeah, taking yeah. the place as your your teacher, mm-hmm. you know, your cool master. You know, says like, hey, you succeeded. This generation will know life on the surface again. Right. Um, uh-huh. it's still left ambiguous what the loop is. Um, yep. and whether or not Otis is dead, brother especially what's that? Whether brother will get some. <laughs> yes, I think he yeah. did. Look at him. <laughs> brother yeah. got lots of loops. He got um, too much loop. Too, too much loop. Um, and after the credits, you know, the game ends with a shot of Otis falling out of the sky. Um, and then it cuts to a distance and he kind of lands in the water. Like there is enough of a world for there to be a sea. Um, and the light that represents, um, Otis kind of flickers out. Yeah. And uh, we get this last shot after the credits that, the, you know, as we mentioned, it did work. Yes. It worked. Um, and that's Owlboy. That's Owlboy. Uh, a game I found deeply unsatisfying. 
Yeah. Um, and that sucks because I want to run out and scream off the rooftop, rooftops, like, look at this beautiful art and listen to this music. Um, I believe the soundtrack is on Spotify. Um, so mm-hmm. nom, 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 nom. add that up to my library real quick. Uh, but yeah, I wanted this to pay off more. I just think it was a victim. It was a victim of its develop development cycle, you know, development cycle. And maybe just, um, it makes me think of like, if you're good at, um, a thing, you're not good at everything. Right. Right. You know, in a way, like you can be a really big fan of those old style games and really love them with your whole heart and still not know how to make them. Mm hmm. And you can get the most talented artist uh, in the world to help you with things. Right. But if you just don't have, like, it's just not a very good game. Like, the the game part of it is just, like, that is a craft to you. Like, crafting compelling gameplay is as much an art as making these visuals or music. Right. And ultimately, at the end of the day, like, that's always going to come first, right? Like, very modest. Like, my, my favorite game of 2018, Into the Breach, extremely modest graphically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's almost nothing to it. Yeah. Um, but because the gameplay is so good, I can't put it down. This I couldn't pick up. Like, yeah. this is a short game that I was desperately casting about for reasons to put down. Yeah. Because it it's like, it's short, but it just wasn't very fun. You yeah. know, it just wasn't having fun with it. Um, yeah. You know, maybe like a, a cartoon version of the story with like tighter editing would be a good story. Mm-hmm. But none of the play was good. Like none of the boss fights are fun, but yeah, they're not innovative. The, the boss fights are good, but they're they comparatively are few and far between. You don't spend very much of your play time doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual like even the puzzles that are kind of okay are all stuff I've seen a million times before. Yeah. Um. You know, just there's just no innovation to this. Like nothing new, nothing inventive, nothing clever. You know, and that's important. Yeah. Um. And a game doesn't have to like reinvent the wheel every time. It's a problem when they swing for that and miss. But there needs to be some, you know, sense of ingenuity. And the problem is, right, when you look at something pretty and think that it's trying to rely on that, you know, yeah. like even if that just becomes the narrative after the fact, it's still, you know, it, it still makes the impression, right? Yeah. Like that. That still, you know, kind of suffuses and soaks into your experience as you as you pick it up, right? Yep, they don't they don't talk to each other. Yeah. The two things. So like it's still it will always exist as this very beautiful game and also exist as this game that I wouldn't play again for anything. Yeah. You know, like uh it's just not very fun. Like I can look at screenshots of it if I ever wanna experience all and listen to the soundtrack on YouTube if I ever wanna experience everything good about it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a bummer. You know, that that's not a good that's not a satisfying experience. It's not good art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to go back to what we said toward the beginning of the game, you know, usually when we dunk on something like we have dunked on this, a lot of it is for missed potential. Um, the visuals and the music kind of show us, um, (laughs) a level of ability that feels like should be applied to the way it feels in your hands and the stuff that it asks you to do, you know? Um, and specifically like, like, like the theme and the story, um, I just see the way they whiffed it over and over again. There are ways, I think, to make a story-based platformer that deal with those themes that, that, that work. And it's upsetting and disappointing to me to see the way that they just kind of didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't have to be totally innovative as far as gameplay. Like, it could have also just been fun. Yeah. Like, fun and simple. That's what, like, you know, I, I brought it up earlier. Iconoclast feels like that to me. Yeah. Like, it's not doing anything new, um, which is kind of a disappointment, but it is fun. Mm-hmm on your hands like um 
So you could have done that and just like really focused on the story and polished that up a lot more, but focused on presentation and then just had a basic fun level. Or what does a platformer like look like when you can fly all the time and you have this verb set? Like what? And you carry things. Yeah. What puzzles are suggested by by that to me? Yeah. Like puzzles. Like there are puzzles that are suggested like that to me, you know, or suggested by that uh-huh. to me. Like, um, you know, being able to to lift things of certain weights and having three avatars with you that have different abilities mm-hmm. to me feels like it writes a puzzle game on its own. Yeah. Almost like, you know, I'm not a puzzle designer. I'm not like one of our brilliant like puzzle friends. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like if you took those mechanics and actually explored them there's something there <laughs> you, you can see the puzzles that are suggested by a combination of mechanics yes yep um even just down to like a heavy guy a medium guy and a light guy mm-hmm. you know um and they have different projectiles and you know take away that teleportability or limit it or do something with it and just make it the puzzles a little bit more rigorous instead of just like the gamiest ass video game puzzles that like came in the unity package for game like puzzles yeah. like if there was a unity store for puzzles mm-hmm. these puzzles would be from it yeah you know and that's just it's you just didn't do either of the things you yeah. so you yes. know so the most superficial elements end up being the only things that are noteworthy of it mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah bummer um yeah so uh thanks everybody for listening thank you to mike yes. for sponsoring the episode i know that we were mean but again it does not reflect on your taste it's just it's just, it's just the, way, the, <laughs> the way the, the way that it bounced off of us. Yeah. Yep. Different opinions are, you yeah. um, next two episodes are going to have a guest. Yes. It's going to be Matt, who is mm-hmm. a super cool and nice dude. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about final fantasy 10. Yeah. A game that I am roughly halfway through right now yep. and need to finish shortly. Um, Me too. man, I want to, I want, I want to sleep in this battle system. Like it's a sleeping bag. It's really good. I, I just want to like, like pull is... it up around my head and just close the zipper. Final Fantasy X is also centrifugal in a weird way yeah. because it's like a lot of the stuff is bumming me out mm-hmm. upon revisiting as an adult. But like, I was surprised at how good the boss fights have been. Like, yeah. they are gimmicky and interesting in a way that I did not recall yeah. when I was younger. I think I brute forced a bunch of them, but it's mm-hmm. been fun trying to find the smartest way to do them. Yeah. Um, and that stuff's all real good while the story content is worse than I remember. Yeah. Like the story and dialogue is actually much worse than I recall. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be interesting to talk about. Um, and it is a really interesting, very transitional uh, Final Fantasy, very much of its time. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm kind of taken aback by how many of the Latter-day Sins of the series have been uh, kind of like put first and foremost here in this yeah. first. It's, a, it's like as linear as 13. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it's not literally on hallways, mm-hmm. but this is an extremely linear game. Yeah. And it does a lot of world building that is not like Ivalis good world building. No, no, no. Yeah. The, the world building stuff is the, the coolest touch. Of, I mean, we're just talking about Final Fantasy X at this point, but it's yeah. fine. The cool, <laughs> like the part of this that I think is like the most inventive thing is the fact that there's a city that actually is the door to the underworld or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's extremely interesting and cool. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other stuff is pretty miss me. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, the world building stuff is not actually that, that interesting. <laughs> but but it sets up this strange thing where I think this game comes alive in the encounters in a way that no other JRPG does. Yeah, or like, very few do. Like, yeah. yeah, it ends up being fun, even though there are definitely like, I just got past that desert part and the yeah. encounter rate there is high. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like the, the, the battle system is very fun, but there need to be fewer of them. Like, yeah. 
No. But anyway, it's it's interesting and fun um, and disappointing and all those things. It contains yeah. multitudes. Yes. Uh, if you have things to say about River City Ransom, Owlboy, or Final Fantasy X, write in at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Click the mm-hmm. proper button there by January the 15th. We have changed the Patreon scheme, but that uh, particular thing does not change uh, either the place where you send them in or the deadline. It is always the 15th. Um, that episode, that response episode, if you usually skip those, give this next one a shot because yeah. we are replacing our response episodes with something called Watch Out for Fireball's Dispatch. If you're a patron, you will be able to suggest questions or prompts or things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't put that out yet, so we don't know exactly what we're going to talk about, but yeah. it will be a kind of freeform discussion. Um, it is a good place for Q&A. Mm-hmm. Um, and those can be serious or goofy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and your responses. So that's going to be a fun episode. Um, that's uh, January 15th is always going to be the deadline for those. Mm-hmm. If uh, you have anything to say about our February games, which are Super Mario Bros. 2. Uh, the that's uh, that's 225. Did you do that intentionally? Nope. But somebody asked, they're like, what are you guys doing for 225? I'm like, oh, Super Mario, Mario 2. Bros. 2. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's about right. Um, SMB2, uh, the American version, even though I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, hard type Lost Levels version because oh, I'm a defender of that. You, you bet your ass I played the All-Stars yeah. version of that a little bit um, a yep. couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah, I like that game. Mm-hmm. Um, Pyre, which I've never played. And I've been looking for an excuse to play mm-hmm. for a while. And uh, Bioshock Infinite, when yeah. the Bioshock Infinite is our premium episode for that month. Yes. So, so uh, um, that is a part of our recent Patreon restructure. Uh, everybody will get up through the generalities of that. And then patrons will get the full episode. Uh, yeah. So at the $5 tier, you can get a hold of that on your feed. Among other things. Yeah. Um, we just relaunched the Patreon, as we mentioned. Um, so you will get uh, episodes of Bonfireside Chat. You will get um, two extra abject sufferings. We have a bunch of stuff. If you go to patreon.com slash TV, you can check out everything we have on offer. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate the show of support so far. Yeah. And uh, welcome new patrons. Uh, welcome to the Slack. Welcome to the community. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to 2019 and covering a bunch of interesting and good games. And uh, we really, really do appreciate that we have you in our corner while we do it. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think that's about it. Think so. Ratings, reviews, all the usual stuff that you hear us talk about too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all very helpful still. Yes. And uh, yeah, until next time, who is Dog Pellet? <laughs>